You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. The following program is rated TV MALSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. Friday, and you're in the right place. You're here with us at the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. This week, we interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you this special feature presentation. That's right. TV specials, motorcycles, magic, whatever the hell Doug Henning used to do. Right here, with your favorite pals, Corey and Mikey. Let's get this thing started, shall we? Here we go! Hey there, what's happening? Dude, we we have been pretty fucking consistent. Yeah, we have. Just knocking out shows. I think we're on week four. We're on more than week four, I think. I think we're on like week six. Maybe. Maybe seven. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but we're doing good. We are. Other, other than not remembering what the fuck day it is, we're doing really good. It's Sunday. That's all I know. It is Sunday. I'm I'm Mikey. I'm Corey. And uh, we're here with uh, another great episode of the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. And you will have to excuse us. We are all jacked up on caffeine. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Both of us. We are caffeine to the gills. Yes, we are. So, you know how hard it is to put back a, together a transformer when your fingers are shaky. I no, t- <laughs> tell me how hard is it to put back together? I kept a dropping the screws. I couldn't. My fingers <laughs> kept shaking, <laughs> so I tried to put the little tiny screw back in his back, and I keep missing, and I end up dropping it on the fucking floor. Son of a bitch. So, well, I guess I would lead into what have you been doing this week? What's going on? Well, this week, well, besides work. Yeah, we went to wrestling on Thursday. Yes, you did with my me and my daughter, and you were there. I was there. You had your sister with you. I had my sister with me, and then Friday I did more ch- restoring of Transformers. Okay. And yesterday I didn't really do much. I took my mom to go get her new car. Okay, so your mom got a new car. She has to pay for it first, but she it's sold. Oh, cool. So she doesn't have it yet. It's like it looks like yours, kind of. Oh, but it's a Mazda. Okay. And it's almost like a SUV, but it's two-wheel drive, and it kind of looks like her old Mazda RX-6 front clip. Oh. They don't, they don't make her car anymore. So she had to get something new. She had to get something new, and I convinced her to get this. Okay. Because it sits higher, and it wasn't a pain in the ass to get in or out of. That's That was one of the biggest selling points when I got my car. I had to get in and try it and then get out and make sure that... I didn't make as much noise yeah. as I did with my previous vehicle. I always felt like I was going to pop my hip out when I got out of my mom's car. Yeah, because you got to like stand up out of it. Yeah. And I, I hate that. So, and I'm too fucking old to do that. My, my hips don't work the same as they used to. Oh, no. So, yeah, that know, was a big selling feeling. point. 
shouldn't jump fences either. Did you get a little uh, little issue jumping some fences? Did you? Yeah, I jumped a fence like six times, the same fence, and you know after the first time I probably should have stopped. Were you jumping a fence for for like pleasure? Or no, what? I was working. Okay. But instead of walking around, I just wanted to, you know, set my ladder over the fence and jump over it, and I had to keep going to grab stuff. And yeah, I think I pulled a hamstring. Well, pulled pull a hammy, huh? <laughs> yeah, pulled a hammy. It hurts. Yeah. Well, at least you didn't pull your groin. Not yet. Now that'll be later tonight. That'll be later. <laughs> I'm gonna do that on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do that on my own. I'm gonna be playing checkers. I got. I got, I've got to take a shower later. Pull my groin. Shower. Yank on the groin. <laughs> Yank on the groin. <laughs> so, so yeah, like you said, we we uh, we attended a wrestling show. I was working the show, doing my commentary. Um, other than that, I, mean, I went played with some ghosts last night, which it, is always fun. Yeah, I didn't really get a lot of stuff, but the uh, ghost that you and uh, your wife put in the cheese jar was a little pissed off at all of us. Yeah, um, he's still he's still mad that we put him in there. Yeah. So I I got some uh, some EVP should have been scratching us stuff, and uh, it told me to go away. It it said your wife's name when it, it repeated it to yeah. me. Um, I make sure that I, I say you guys' name every time I go visit it, just so it keeps it fresh, you know. Yeah, that's so, downstairs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, downstairs. he's downstairs. And uh, I believe his name was Daniel. Oh, he told you his name. No, you guys told me his name. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think Somebody it, did. It, so, Jamie, I think Jamie did. Yeah, so when I started talking and, and calling him my name, I got really pissed off. Told me to go away. Said that he was evil. Said that he was angry and evil. He is not very nice. He's not very nice. He's he's not very nice, but he's very evil. He is very evil. <laughs> so, and uh, my friends that uh, that went along with me, they were a little freaked out, but kind of they thought it was cool that yeah I was getting some interaction and. Um, yeah. I, need, I need to go back. Actually, I need to go up there with you. Oh yeah, you man. seem to get a lot of interaction. Well, I, I yeah, I, I I don't know what that why, but I I do. It's fun. Best Museum of Shadows. It's the uh, world's most haunted museum. We have it here in Omaha, Nebraska. For those of you that are into that kind of stuff, it's fucking awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we yeah we got just little bits and pieces here and there, but that that interaction was pretty. Yeah, pretty intense. That guy, he's fun. he's always vocal. Yeah, well, for us because you guys got him in the jar, and then I transported him and gave him to the museum, so he's fucking pissed. And if he's he's actually in a nacho cheese like queso jar. Yeah, it's like that with a Tostitos Tostitos queso jar with a little black candle and some hair and fingernail clippings, and I think some blood, some blood. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I know some people are like, oh, these guys are full of shit, you know, Doesn't smell my fingernail clippings, <laughs> but, uh, it actually happened. So that's, that's that. That's cool though. Yeah. So that's why I, that I like ate my weight in sushi last night and God, yeah, I've been having this little issue. Okay. You know, those, uh, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're all friends here. I can share this. Oh Yeah. You know those enchiladas that I made like last week? Oh yeah, those look good. Okay, so I, I found this recipe for enchiladas, and it was chicken enchiladas with cream cheese. Oh, that's gotta be good. Well, I substituted mock crab meat for the chicken, mm-hmm. so it was basically, and I put like some some green onions in in there, and uh, I was gonna put black olives in, but I forgot to grab them. Um, I put mushrooms in, so it was like a crab rangoon 
inside of an enchilada with enchilada sauce oh, and nice. cheese on top. Oh, fuck. It was super good. Now I'm hungry. Well, it made 10. I, I got a package of 10 uh, uh, tortillas. Yeah. And um, so it, it, I made enough to fill all 10 of them. Well, I've got a small oven. Yeah. I've got like a toaster oven. It's a convection oven, but it's very small. It's like countertop size. So I got these little foil cake pans. So I put four and four, and then I had two left over. So I put two and another thing, put them in there. Well, those two I took over to my parents, and they chowed on them. They loved them. Nice. I made half with red sauce and half with green sauce, and I gave them one of each, a red and a green. They loved them. So I've got eight fucking enchiladas left over, and I put the Mexican blend taco cheese on there. And then I had some white Monterey Jack cheese. So I put that on top and oh, melted it all God. down. So I need pizza rolls now for about, I'm surprised you didn't have any, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about making some. So for, <laughs> for, you know, I had, I had a, uh, one of each the first night I had the, the next day. I had some, I had half of one for breakfast. The next day, you know, I just, Ate on them for like three three days yeah. or whatever. Those are the best though, man. Well, the thing is, they did they did taste better the second and third day. Yeah. But that's a lot of cheese to be eaten. Or you're backed up. So, after day two of eating nothing but enchiladas covered in cheese, I wake up like at five thirty six o'clock every day. Yeah. I wake up like two or three times during the night to pee, but five thirty six o'clock I'm up. I take my dog outside. She's outside for, you know, a length of time. And I go up and go to the bathroom. And just the way my bathroom is set up, you know, I live by myself, so I, I don't close the door. The door is directly in front of me when I'm sitting on the toilet. Yeah. And it's open. So the door is, like, probably a few inches away from my knee. Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, I got one of those where you kind of start... And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it's something stuck. And you know it's going to be rough. I had to reach out and grab the doorknob. For and leverage. Like, just for like, you know, like how the cowboys used to like bite on a bullet when they yeah. were. I, that's what it was for me. I was like squeezing the doorknob. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to do that for like three days in a row. Three mornings in a oh row. Oh my God, dude. That's so fucking funny. Oh man, I thought I was going to fucking die. And that's all I could think of. It's like you're giving birth. Oh, fuck. It was bad. That's all I could think of is... So you should do what I do, man. I just eat a lot of peanut butter. And that shit just goes... It's just right out. Do you eat uh, creamy or chunky? Creamy. See, that's it. I eat chunky, so mine would come out in chunks. Yours, yours it's creamy. It slides right out. I can eat peanut... I eat peanut butter all day at work. Come on. Just... See, I, I enjoy I peanut butter. Push, just, man. Just, you know... But, I had so much fucking cheese that I was, it, it, that shit was like glue, man. Was, That's so fucking great. Oh, man, it was bad. But I, I've eaten my way through all the enchiladas, so we should be good. I did eat a lot of cookies on, on Friday, though. Girl Scout cookies? I ate those. Okay. I, I was sitting there watching TV by myself, and because Jamie was at her friends, and Charlotte was at her friends, so I just sat and ate cookies. Man, it's a worthwhile... I, Time passer? My stomach hurt so bad. I'm sure. I don't think I could do that. Oh, dude. Well, it's been so long since I've eaten sweets or anything. Any little bit just gets me all fucking wired. I can tell. I mean, with just with the 
the coffee you had this morning. Well, I'm still drinking coffee. Oh yeah. Um, and as I, I stopped at the it's a truck stop to get some coffee, and what you know that shit is like fucking, it's got fucking crack in it. Oh yeah. The truck drivers. Well, and this was a medium. You know, it wasn't the high high octane stuff. Oh, this wasn't the high this octane was the medium, crack. But it's got, it's got uh, a lot of sweeteners and stuff because this is flavored coffee. It's not like a, a frappuccino or whatever. It's actual coffee, but it's got um, pecan bourbon. You know, roast. Yeah. And then I put four packets of sugar in it. Oh or, of, God. Not sugar, but the uh, the, Sweet pink, the pink stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then I put four creamers in it that are oatmeal cookie flavored. And then filled this little this my Jesus Christ, up. dude! You had yourself a I don't even know what to call that. That well, is, that would be like a frappuccino, kind of, with all that sugar. Yeah, it's like you you went straight to Starbucks and just tapped a vein. Well, and then on top of it, you know, I haven't really had candy or anything since before Christmas. I had chocolate mousse this morning. Well, I was standing there and I looked over and the little Debbie was calling me. So I got a mm-hmm. uh, an iced honey bun, which I love those things. Those are good. I don't really consider that sweets or candy. And I got a, I wanted a double-decker um, oatmeal cream pie, but they were out. Yeah. So I got a double-decker uh, fudge round. Oh, those are good. I am fucking sailing right now. Oh, damn it. Now I got to make something to eat. Hold on. Okay, we're going <laughs> to pause. <laughs> fucking hungry now. Have a pizza, pizza, pizza roll. Okay, so we're back. He, uh, I got my food cooking. Got some food going there. What, 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 what did you decide to cook? I'm gonna make some pizza rolls. Go fucking figure. We need to get a sponsorship for pizza oh, rolls. Mi- Microcalorying. Microcalorying. Yes. It's like a micro dose, but with food. With food. They're just little tiny pizzas. You can stop when you want. But you can't. I can't. I really can't. I got a big giant thing cooking. Every fucking time I come over here, you're eating pizza rolls. You'd think it'd be a lot heavier. What? And weight. Your pizza rolls? No, me. Oh, you? Yes. You with think? That's how many pizza rolls I eat at but a time. You're, but you're active. You've been jumping over fences. I have. Yeah. Pulling my groin. Well, that burns well, calories later. <laughs> Pulling your groin burns calories. You just gotta, you know, make sure you keep up. Is it a, is it about the reps or is it about like the how many reps you do or is it about how many sets you do? Sets, sets. So you can like pull it like five times, six times, and it's better than pulling it one time sixty times. Maybe, because if I do it six times after pulling it once sixty times, it's gonna hurt. <laughs> it's going to be tender. <laughs> so it's about conditioning. Yes. Okay. Conditioning. So, you, do you remember? I guess, you know, is there anything else we need to really talk about? I mean, no, I think we, we got all of our news out of the yeah. way last show. Well, you still mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know they heard it at the beginning. Yeah, you, you heard it at the beginning, but uh, we are on the. Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. That's the second time you've said that today. It is. I said it earlier when I was on with uh, Russian Leg Sweep. Our, our brothers in pod. Yes. So, you can go to uh, electronicmediacollective.com. 
see all kinds of great shows on there, and I've been going through some of them. There are some really fine programs on there. There are. I've got a yeah. chance to look at a couple of them. I haven't had a chance to really listen to a lot of them, but yeah, there's some great, some good, good great programs on there. Yeah. So, uh, and and uh, actually, quite a few shows. Oh yeah, shows on there. So check check those out. You know, if you get a chance to go on uh, electronicmediacollective.com and do us a favor. We're new to the network, and we have good, loyal listeners and good, loyal followers on our Facebook page. Yes, we do. You guys go find them on Facebook. There's a link on our Facebook page. Give them a like on their Facebook page, just so you can follow what's going on with the network. Just so you can show them, hey, it was a good idea bringing these guys on because they have people that like them. You know, ever since we did jump on that on their network, our numbers have jumped up. Yes, they almost, have. Almost by 100. Yeah, they have. Our, our you know, views on our page and stuff have jumped up and actually listened to the podcast have, yeah. have increased significantly. So, uh, you know, they are showing us the love. Please go show them the love for showing us the love. Which is nice. Yeah, it's really nice to be, to be uh, loved. Loved. Yeah, loved. Loved. We're loved. So, speaking of love, this has nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> so, do you remember back... I mean, as far back as you can remember watching television, every now and again, you would hear a kind of a different introduction to a TV show. It sounds something kind of like this. Oh, yeah. You remember hearing that? Yeah. Okay. And that meant something special was going to come on. And it would always be just... So NBC special report. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be like a news report. It'd be a report. special programming. Special you know? programming. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, and generally these things came on once a year or once every few months or you know, however. Most of the time it was once a year. You'd get a special program that they would advertise. You'd look forward to it, and it'd be a big deal, and everybody would tune in. You remember? You remember all that? Shit? I do. I do yeah. remember all that shit. So. We thought we'd talk a little bit about some of those today. And the ones that we always look forward to. And the first one being, and I can't even believe that they even pulled this off. But it was the Battle of the Network Stars. And what it would be is, it was like an athletic competition. With television stars from ABC, CBS, and NBC. But and it would be showed on Fox. You know, it was on. <laughs> it was always on ABC. This thing was. Uh, it, it ran from 1976 to 1988. So was this was this show kind of like in the scene where in Anchorman, where they, all the news reporters fought each other like well, gladiators? Yeah, is that what this show was like? I wish it was. That'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, I really wish it was. They they had 19 of these competitions. It's a Spanish speaking news team, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was 19 of these competitions I killed a guy with a trident at <laughs> Sorry. where the fuck did you get a hand grenade <laughs> oh my god so there were 19 of these competitions um, and like I said they were between 1976 1988 and then they tried to revive it in 2003 they had a two hour special on NBC, and in 2005, they revived it, kind of. It was the Battle of the Network reality stars, and 
they also tried to do a Battle of the Sports Stars, Battle of the Gridiron Stars. Um, it just really didn't ever take back off. Battle of Gridiron Stars is just football. But they had them doing shit that was, had nothing to do with football. They're doing baseball. Yeah. But the original run, uh, you know, it was, it was just interesting the way that they did it. Because they would be athletic competitions of people that weren't necessarily known for being athletes. Yeah, I you know, that. they were actors, actresses. They were, you know, sports commentators or what, you know, whatever was specific to that particular network is what they what they did. Um, Howard Cosell hosted or co-hosted. All but one of these. This is Howard Cosell. Well, the only one he didn't do was in 1985 because he had a falling out with ABC. But then when they did their final one, he came back. And he actually... He actually took a very serious line with it. He he did a serious sports event commentary. Yep. And... I. I mean, I can remember him being on there, and I can remember tuning into this just, like, basically out of morbid curiosity. I think it was, it was on, like, at 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, it was in prime time. Yeah. Um, they each got, like, 8 or 10 people from different shows, and then one of them would be the team captain. And... They, I mean, they had all kinds of And it was usually like the face of that show or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like the the face of their most popular television show, usually. But not always. Sometimes it was just a, a, like a legendary person or, you know, like a legendary member of that network or whatever. You know what was better than this show? Hmm. The Laugh Olympics. The Laugh Olympics were cool. I, I, the Laugh Olympics, that's kind of what was, that's what this, kind of like what it was. That, that cartoon was based off of this. Yeah. I do believe. Um. Some of the stuff that they would have, which when you hear some of the names that were involved, it cracks me up. So some of the events were swimming, kayaking, volleyball, golf, tennis, bowling on custom-made outdoor bowling lanes, cycling, three-on-three football, the baseball dunk, which was a dunk tank, I believe. Yep. Running. And the obstacle course. And Simon Says. And then they would do Simon Says. Uh, Each performer got points on how well they performed. Uh, And then they would eliminate the lowest scoring network. And the remaining two networks would have a tug of war. That's fucking awesome. And that was in the original run from 76 to 88. Yeah, that was the original run. So... They should do this again now, but have everybody that's on like Hulu and Netflix. Oh yeah, you know fucking HBO Max, all these different Instagram influencers. Yes. <laughs> they should do that like that like now. Well, they this show would go on for hours. Yes, it would. They, uh, you know, they they mixed and matched their how they had you know like the teams, and they mixed and matched the events that they did throughout the whole run. But listen to some of these. Names. Um, so the very first one, Gabe Kaplan was ABC's team captain. Gabe Kaplan was Mr. Cotter. Yep. Okay. 
he would serve as their team captain quite often during this whole run. Uh, Telly Savalas was CBS's. So Telly Savalas was Kojak. Yep. And Robert Conrad was NBC's. Robert Conrad was, uh, he was on the Wild Wild West TV show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He played Mr. West. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, those those names, especially Gabe Kaplan, appeared very often yeah. in this. Listen to this one. From 1977, Gabe Kaplan, ABC, the captain. Uh, on his team, Victor French, Billy Crystal, Christy McNichol, Suzanne Summers, and Penny Marshall. Holy shit. So, I mean, you can imagine having, like... Christy Snow and Laverne from Laverne and Shirley. Dude, fucking OJ was the host. Yeah, yes. Howard Cosell, Catherine Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, yep. And OJ Simpson. Yes. That was in 77. So, so now listen to this. Okay, so Gabe Kaplan, team captain for ABC. NBC, I'll jump to NBC. Dan Haggerty was NBC's captain. That's fucking Grizzly Adams. Yep. Okay. He had a beard. He had a huge beard. Um, Patrick Duffy, Robert Conrad was on his team. You know, so I mean, he had he had a good team. CBS. They had Adrian Barbeau on their team. They had Jamie Farr, who was Klinger on Mash. Yep. Uh, Loretta Swit, Potlips Hulahan. But look who the fucking host, the captain, the was. team captain, Jimmy JJ Walker. Jimmy JJ Walker. What do you say we just take a little Jimmy Walker break? Works for me, because my shit's done. <laughs> okay, so here's Jimmy Walker break. He's going to go get his shit. Dynamite! And that was uh, Jimmy Walker. That was dynamite. That was dynamite. But yeah, the, this Battle of the Network Stars, it was fun. Anybody that was anybody on network television back in the day, back in the day, it didn't matter if it was a sitcom or if it was a drama or what, they were on this. Uh, you know, they, Jesus, they, Parker Stevenson, he can't lose. That was Parker Lewis. Oh shit, that's completely different. Completely different time frame. What the <laughs> no, that fuck? was the nineties. <laughs> Well, if they still were doing this in the 90s, I'm sure Parker Lewis would have been on here. And he couldn't lose. He could not lose. He would have won. It, well, it wouldn't have been fair to have him on. Uh, William Shatner was a uh, was a captain one in uh, 82. Oh, no shit. Listen to his team. I mean, I, I had a crush on a lot of his team. Helen Hunt. Who didn't? Uh, Heather Locklear. Yep. Heather Thomas. From the young Helen Hunt, too. Mm. From the Fall Guy? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, when you when you look at some of the names, though, that were involved in this, it's just like, oh, my God, you, you couldn't put together this listing of people. You know, William on Shatner hit on them women, too. Oh, yeah. He's like, I am William Shatner. Watch me throw this shot put. And then, <laughs> meet me in my trailer, where I will tell you that I kissed a green woman on Star Trek. Did I mention that I was on Star Trek? And I fucked an alien. You know that he did. You know he did. 
You know he did. That's that's my goal, dude. The fucking alien. Yep. Like there he goes. Homeboy <laughs> fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs> I would be the first person from Earth to find intelligent life. And fuck it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there he goes. Yeah. That well, you know. Whatever gets you by. Hey, I got goals, man. Yeah. <laughs> you you could abducted by, by a UFO. And you're like, all right. I've been waiting for this. It's probing time, bitches. <laughs> They send me back because they didn't want to get probed. Right. <laughs> what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Did they do anything to you? No. They didn't let me do anything to them either. I even tried. Yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> um, so in 2017, I just want to mention this because it's, it's a different format because they did try to revive it. And they... Uh, they did, like, themes. I don't even remember 2017. I don't either. Um, I, and DeMarcus uh, Ware, he is a football player. Uh, he was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in, like, 2005. Uh, anyhow, he was the te- captain of the blue team. Fucking Ronda Rousey was the captain of the Yeah, that's when she was big on Raw. Yeah. And uh, she was captain of the, of the red team. Now, what they did is they went back in the entire history of television and they picked out people and they grouped them into teams. So this grouping would be on the red team. This grouping would be on the blue team. So like they had one grouping was TV sitcoms. They had a number of people on there, uh, including uh, Tom Arnold, Dave Coulier and uh, Balky Bartokamus. Bronson Pinchot. Oh, I love Balky. Balky, don't be ridiculous. Because Larry... Cos and Larry. I, okay, Perfect Strangers. I don't know when we'll ever fuck it. We may talk about it someday, but the one thing I remember about Perfect Strangers, and I know that, uh, that, that Sam absolutely loves that I quoted this once. I remember when they uh, they were making... So, Balky Bartokomus was from um, Mipos. Yeah. And, you know, this, this, this faraway country that no one's ever heard of, and he just shows up to live with his cousin one day. That he didn't even know, that, that he, his cousin didn't know about. Yeah, they didn't know each other. He just shows up. And so the Miposian customs are always coming up, and they're always just these way out there fucking things that you have to do. And so they were making um, these pastries. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain way you had to make these pastries, and they were called Bibi Babibodkas. Bibi Babibodkas. Bibi Babibodkas. And you had to sing a song when you made Bibi Babibodkas, or else they wouldn't turn out right. Well, let's hear the song. Well, the song is, When you're rolling out the dough, just be sure to roll it slow. If you roll the dough too quick, Bibi Bob can make you sick. And then Larry would join in, and he was very unenthusiastic. When you're putting the cream in, make sure you wear a grin. Uh, and then it was, I can't remember the last fucking line to it, but it was supposed to rhyme, and it had a perfect opportunity to rhyme, and it didn't. Oh no shit! It was like, uh, it was like if you if you follow directions well, baby Bobka's turn out, and you could have said swell. Yeah, baby Bobka's turn out fine. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember the last fucking line. Somebody call us and let us know the last line, or email us or whatever. Get leave us a voicemail. Somebody, Sam, 
Cause Sam, yeah, Sam, Sam, will yeah, Sam, Sam, yeah, Sam will, Sam will do it, and he'll he'll actually do a remix of it, which would be awesome. Yeah, he could do he could do like a little uh, horrorcore remix. Yeah, if you, if you don't know, our buddy Sam, horrorcore legend, comatose, fucking awesome. The dude got props from ICP, man. He did. Yes, they were like, this guy is the fucking real deal, man. I mean, when 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 the clowns, it's one thing to be down with the clowns. It's another thing when the clowns are down with you. That's, yeah. That's a fucking legend right there, my friends. And Sam is a legend. Sam is, he's also a super fucking awesome dude. And I bet he knows the last line for the Bibby Bobka song just off the top of his head. Oh, guarantee it. Yeah. He'll probably be like, Mikey, you fucking dumbass. And then he'll, like. Because Sam's a bigger nerd than the rest of us. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's why we love Sam. Yeah. We do. We do. We love Sam. And we love his partner in crime on the Russian leg sweep, Mike, motherfucking, motherfucking fantastic. fantastic. And he needs to leave us a fucking voicemail as well. Yeah, disappointed in you, Mike. We're, we're missing, we're missing him. Uh, so, okay, so back to this. The, the pairings on this, they had TV sitcoms versus TV kids, variety shows versus TV sex symbols, the White House versus lawyers, famous lawyers on television, Versus uh, famous uh, people on political shows. You know, like uh, West Wing type yeah. dramas. Primetime soaps versus the ABC stars. Cops versus TV sitcoms. TV mom and dads versus TV kids. Cops versus sci-fi fantasy. ABC stars versus variety. Which Kelly Osborne was on that. Kelly Osborne, Lance Bass, and Joey Fatone were on a team together. That's a hell of a team. Famous TV families versus doctors and troublemakers versus TV lifeguards. Notably missing from the TV lifeguards team. The number one lifeguard, Hasselhoff. Fucking Hasselhoff. They have the David. They just don't have the Hasselhoff to go with it. Do we need a David Hasselhoff break? We do. Okay, I'll find something for David Hasselhoff. Here's a David Hasselhoff break. I'm David Hasselhoff. There you go. David, David Hasselhoff. He's great. <laughs> yeah. Huge in Germany, I understand. He's very huge in Germany. Fucking huge in Germany. They love him in Germany. Um, so you know, this Battle of the Network stars. It spawned a couple of other um, shows, like like we talked about the Battle of the Network reality stars, shit like that. Um, but some La- Laugh Olympics, right? There. Yeah, Laugh Olympics is is a related uh, topic. But something that. You know, watching them compete in athletic competitions was fine. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, it was probably as close to sports as I ever got as a kid. I still, think, I, th- I still think gladiator games would have been way better. Oh, yeah. Just let them fucking fight. Fight to the death, and then they got, you know, fucking lions and tigers and shit in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would have gotten super ratings, dude. Fuck yeah, it would. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to see, you know. I bet you the president of CBS is listening in, so he needs to have this idea put in his brain. Yeah, I'm not even asking for, you know, any money. Just do it. Well, uh, no, I'm asking for money. I want money for his idea. <laughs> so he's my manager. If you're listening, yeah, I'm his manager, and I take 112 percent of his cut. So for this idea, I'm going to get all the money, and he's going to owe me 12 percent. So pay us well. I work for pizza rolls. Yeah, I'll buy you a bag of fucking pizza rolls. <laughs> there you go. 
Thanks. Get the big bag. That's the generic brand. Oh, buddy, if I get fucking network money for your one of your ideas, <laughs> I will buy you a big bag of pizza rolls. <laughs> They'll even be Supreme flavored. Sweet. I'll even get you some fucking ranch and some good quality ranch to dip them in. Oh, that's what I need is ranch. That's Fuck. Too late. Yes, I will get you a, a, a you know, a, but Hidden Valley. For, nothing is too good. For my fucking gravy train, <laughs> nothing is too good for my gravy train. You're like my, you're like Paul Heyman to to whoever the hell he's managing now. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Yeah, but Roman, I don't like Roman Reigns. I'd be, you know, allow me, if you will, to introduce you to the man that comes up with every idea that makes me money. I take one hundred and twelve percent of his take for every. Dollar that I make, he owes me 12 cents. <laughs> and for that, I compensate him with a jumbo bag of pizza rolls. Supreme flavor, if you will. And the highest quality of Hidden Valley Ranch for him to dunk his pizza rolls in. That's my Paul Heyman. That was impression. great, dude. Was it good? Dude, you know what? What? Speaking of wrestling. Oh, well, okay. Did you see who they're inducting this year? I did. The fucking Undertaker. Yes. Yes, Undertaker is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'm uh, super excited about that. I kind I kind of saw that coming because they're in Texas and that's where he's yeah. from, which is is a good well, thing. Who's going to induct him? I wonder if it's going to be Kane. I you know there are all kinds of names being mentioned of who should induct him. I would say Brother Love. Brother Love would be a good one. Because he's the one who brought him in. Yes. Ted DiBiase would be a good one, because mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase also assisted in bringing him in. Um, the overwhelming name that I'm hearing, though, and this is probably the only person that it would happen for, Vince McMahon. Yeah. It's probably the only person he would ever induct. Honestly. But I don't know if that'll happen. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I want to know who they're going to put in with him. You know, yeah. Who else is going to be in the class? Have they, is he the first one they've mentioned? Yeah. Uh, yes, he's the first one they've seriously mentioned. Uh, the Miz was also mentioned. The Miz is not getting into the whole. He, thing. he mentioned himself. Yeah. So, um, anything else on the Battle of the Network Stars? Because we were kind of moving on and then no. we got sidetracked. Yeah, sidetracked. It's honey money. It's honey money. Honey money. Flint Frank. Flint, Flint Frank. Toy Hive. Facebook. Toy, yeah. The. Uh, the. Uh, the sk- Toy Hive. Yeah. The the, the Toy Hive. And that's uh, Flint After Dark is is his new show on Monday nights. And then Lunchtime with the Franks. Lunchtime with the Franks. We should call that a nooner with Flint. A nooner with Flint. A nooner with Flint and, and Flint After Dark or Flintamax. Flint, I do like Flintamax. Flintamax I, is good. I told him about that. He loved yeah. the idea. Well, I think I think that uh, a, a nooner with Flint should be... That'd be great, too. Th- that should be the new one for, for the, the noon show. <laughs> the nooner with Flint. The nooner with Flint. The nooner with the Frigs. The Frigs? Franks. Who the fuck are the Frigs? They're the cousins of the Franks. Oh, okay. They must be the cousins that they don't talk about because I've never <laughs> fucking heard of them. <laughs> but no, so so the Battle of the Network Stars, they, they had them doing athletic competitions, which, meh, it was fun to watch, but... To a point. Once a year was good. Yeah. This, this one... an entire series. This one I looked forward to all the fucking time. I mean, every year I was like fucking on this. That's Circus of the Stars. I did like this one. Dude, Circus of the Stars fucking rocked. Uh, again, 19 shows in total. This one ran, though, from 1977 to 1994. And the Circus of the Stars, they used 
Oh, this one was run by Disney. Was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. At least Disney took it over. Now, they, they used uh, television stars as well as movie stars in their series. And basically what it was, they would take these stars, they would teach them circus acts, and then they would go do it. So you, you would have different people doing high wire, trapeze. Um, of course, you know, a lot of times they would be in harnesses so they wouldn't get hurt. Yeah. But uh, I do remember some folks getting hurt. Uh, I don't remember who the hell it was, but one of the girls... Karen Black was in this. Oh, wow. Karen Black was uh, Mama Firefly in House of a Thousand Corpses. So it was Bob Barker? No, he was not Mama Firefly in House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, but one of, one of the girls, she was doing the trapeze, and she didn't have a harness on, from what I remember, and they, she got dropped, and she fell into the net, but her foot got tangled in the net, and then she fell out of the net. Oh, so she, she broke hanging. her ankle. Yeah, she broke her ankle. Um, but I looked forward to this thing every damn year. Circus of the Stars was like my fucking jam when I was a kid. And it's odd because I only remember very small bits of it mm-hmm. but i remember loving it they, they would they would talk about they, they would show like bits of them like learning the sh- how to do the moves yes and then they would go to that scene uh part of the or part of the show yeah where they'd actually do it where they would do it yeah and i mean they would have some of like the the, the comedians and stuff would be clowns yeah um i think i remember uh hulk hogan was on this and i don't remember what the hell he did on it yeah I don't either what the fuck would you have hulk hogan do you know he was in show number 18 so we'd have to look that up but I think I remember like Paul Rodriguez being a clown on one of them. Just off the top of my head, Nell Carter was on this. I I, I don't what she do. Huh? I wonder what she did. I don't know what they would have Nell Carter do. Maybe a trained dog act or something. Yeah, because she was old back then. Yeah, and I and I. I do you like Nell Carter? No, we either do we. <laughs> this is the house of horrors. <laughs> little ICP there. That was that was badass. Right off the top of your head too. I've listened to that album a lot. Yeah, yeah that's a good <laughs> album. So I mean, when when you go, to, it's it's to list all these celebrities would take us the rest of the show. Oh, dude, there's because there's there's just tons of them. William Shatner again. Well, he was on everything, but. Like, Harry Anderson, I'm sure he did a magic act. Oh, yeah. He you was know? great. I loved Harry Anderson. I was so Harry, sad when he died. Yeah, Harry Anderson was awesome. O.J. Simpson, he probably used a knife or something. You think knife throwing? Knife throwing. Jesus Christ. Weird Al was on it. Too, that was a, too soon, maybe? No, nah, that's not too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Weird Al, Betty White. Dude, I... I would watch Betty White do anything. Me too. I, I, I love, love Betty White. I fuck so do I. I, I absolutely love Betty White. Um, but yeah, just the, the list of names that were on this. And it like it spans, you know, three decades yeah. worth of, of stars, at least. So, I mean, you have names like Rock Hudson, and then you have names like Vanilla Ice, which... Seem like they shouldn't be on the same list for anything. No. Uh, I didn't even see Vanilla Ice. Yeah, he's on there. He's right under uh, Rock Hudson, actually, <laughs> on the listing. Adam West. Yeah, Bob Newhart. Uh, on and on. I mean, 
if they were on a show or movie and it was a hit at any time, they would be on Circus of the Stars. Now, I do remember uh, the probably the most controversial thing that ever happened on Circus of the Stars. And uh, I was just watching a documentary on the 90s and this came up. It was, um, uh, what the fuck was her name? Gabrielle, uh, she was on 90210. Oh. Gabrielle Cartieras. I think so, yeah. I think that's her name. Let me see um, on here. Let me find her name. Was it was in alphabetical order? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just, uh, fucking Vincent Price was on this thing. Because Vincent Price was a pimp. Fuck yeah, he was. But anyhow, whatever her, Gabrielle Cartieras, I think was her name. And she was on 90210. She was doing a high wire act with uh, Alfonso Roberto. Okay. Okay. And when they got done with the high wire act in practice, they, they did it. It was successful. She gave him a hug. Mm-hmm. And the producers said, that was great. In the actual show, do not hug him. Because they did not want an interracial hug on their show. Wow. This is in the fucking 90s. Yeah. Okay. So, she said, okay, I won't hug him. So, when she got done with her uh, her act, you know, her high wire act, and yeah. she reached the other side... She grabbed him and gave him a kiss on the lips. Oh, nice. And that got her fucking blackballed. I think that may have led to her being kicked off of 90210. Wow. Um, it got her fucking blackballed from a lot of shit. And that is fucking bullshit. But I, that's the biggest thing of controversy. And she talks about it. What was her name? It's like Gabrielle. I think it's Gabrielle. Maybe that's her name on the show. Fuck it. Look up down 210. <laughs> All right. I got this. But, yeah, I mean, that's just fucking bullshit that in the 90s, they still had an issue with that on anything. You know what I mean? I know. It's like, get over it. You know? 902. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get this. Fucking Laura Leslie. Payne. Huh? Laura Payne. L- Laura Payne? That's her name. That's not her real name. Yeah. Let me see. Laura Payne. Gabrielle. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah, no, I think the actress's name is Gabrielle. Hold on. If I could spell. Oh, boy. Let me just... There it is. Okay, you got it? It's thinking. Oh. Oh, yeah. Gabrielle Carturis. Gabriel Carturis? Carturis. Okay. Mystery solved. But yeah, she... I had a crush uh, on her, dude. She was hot. Yeah, she... And she was like fucking... Uh, she was on 90210 playing a high school kid and she was like 40. Yeah, because she was born in 61. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was like... She was at least in her 30s. Well, it's like they, they say that like about Luke Perry too. Yeah. But, you know, he, he you know not talking bad about the... You know, like because he passed away. But they, they always considered him... He was like in his 50s. When he was on playing a high school kid. Yes. And they'd have to, like, they'd do, like, close-ups and they'd have to stretch his face out. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But yeah, that, I mean, I just I, when I saw that on uh, on this '90s documentary, I was oh, watching. She's short too. She's five one. Oh damn! That's how I like them. So I've been listening to Mr. Fantastic too much, dude. You have. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just I saw that and I was like, shit, man, that that's a little bit of, of controversy that I didn't remember. But once once she talked about it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Now, let me see if I can find her name on here because I don't even think it's on here. What? Andrea is what, what her name was on the show. Okay. Andrea, and her name is, is Gabrielle whatever. Cartino. Cartino. Because I was just looking and I didn't see it on here. Maybe they erased it because of all that. Rhonda Shear was on here? Okay, so. I love Rhonda Shear. So, uh, Circus of the Stars was like a yearly thing that was always fun to watch. And if you, I, I, I'm sure that there's footage out on YouTube or somewhere somewhere out there streaming. If you've never seen it, you should check it out because it it's was, on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Yep. It was so much fun to watch. I think now I'll probably I'll probably watch it back and be like, "This fucking sucks. This was terrible. Why, why did I get so excited over this shit?" So, anything else you want to talk about? Circus of the Stars? No. Okay. Um, let's go to this one because these last two are, are related, and then we're gonna take a break. But I remember these two. Fucking pissing people off. Bad. And the first one is Breaking the Magician's Code. The biggest secrets of magic finally revealed. And there were four of these. And then they did a special broadcast in 2002. But uh, in 97 and 98, there were four special shows. All right, hold on real quick. Talk about that Circus of Stars. Yeah. You can watch. It's on YouTube. And that's it. And they're an hour and a half long. Okay, so they probably show a full episode. A full episode, yep. yeah. Um, So this Breaking the Magician's Code. I remember, yeah, this guy used to piss everybody off. This was a, uh, he, it was the Masked Magician, and he would perform large-scale illusions, and then he would show, like, smaller, like, close-up tricks, and then he would show you how they're done. And... I mean, I, I enjoy seeing behind the curtain. You know what I mean? How can you be a mass musician, magician, so people don't know who you are, but then your name is right there? Well, they're just gonna go kick his ass. Yeah, they, they. Well, he was at first they did not release his name, but then they he got outed as you know. I think he actually outed himself. Oh, did he? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't kick his ass now. He's an old man. Right. Well, I know a lot of people wanted to though back then. There were people that were so fucking pissed off. But I liked I like to get that peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. and see how things are done. Because then just in my mind, if I know how it's done and I still can't tell how it's done, that's a fucking good magician. Yeah. And so I mean I enjoy that. Um he the reason that it pissed so many people off is there were people that were made at the time that were making their living being magicians, huge magician. You know, they have huge magic shows and he's out there telling how the tricks are done. And I can remember just, I mean, Jesus Christ. People Wasn't there another pissed. magician that just got blackballed? Probably. Um, fuck's his name. Chris Angel. He did something stupid. I don't know what he did. 
But yeah, I, I don't hear a lot out of him anymore. He lost his residency in Vegas. For some, I don't even know what he did. I don't either. So, Carrot Top took over. <laughs> Carrot Top. So this this dude, uh, they put out these these shows, and they would have to learn the tricks. They would have to perform, you know, practice the tricks, perform them, and then they would show how they were done. Well, the masked magician. And his name was uh, Val Valentino. Val Valentino. He was actually credited. It's a good Irish boy name. Val Valentino? Yep. He was actually credited as the producer of the show. Oh, no shit. So his name was right out there in front of everybody. And nobody knew. Nobody knew it was him. Um, Mitch Pelegi was the, uh, the narrator. We've talked about him before. Yeah, we have. Of course, he was on Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he's been on some, I think he's been on like NCIS or something. Yep. But he played Horse Pinkerton, or Horse Pinker in uh, Shocker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shocker. Shocker. One of our one of our favorite uh, uh, Wes Craven movies. Yes, it is. Shocker. Yeah. He's been a ton of shit. Yeah, he's been a lot of stuff. But no, I, I remember this, but here's, here's something interesting. And this will lead us into the next one we're going to do. But... As part of the first episode, two of the assistants are very familiar names. Eve Torres and Maria Canellas, both former WWE divas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were uh, they, they were part of this show as well. Now, you remember this special being out. I do. I do, because I used to watch this all the time. Were you a fan of knowing the tricks? I was, because then I would like, I'm going to try that. When I was a little kid, I, know I wanted to be a magician. Oh, yeah. Every little kid wanted to be a magician, do magic tricks. Yeah. And like, I could do that. And then my mom would tell me no. <laughs> You're not building a giant buzzsaw in the backyard. <laughs> 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 but mom! But mom, it's a trick. I don't give a You're shit. You're not cutting your sister in half. Yeah, I don't give a shit if it's a trick. But they would show like the the the, the more old school tricks, like mm-hmm. you know, like the sawing of a of a woman in half or the the blade box or whatever. But then they also would just flat out say, "Here's this giant buzzsaw. It's going to cut through this guy. Here's how they do it." Yeah, and I'd be like, "Oh, okay." The buzzsaw is actually a hologram. Well, the one the buzzsaw didn't even turn. It was a lighting effect. Yeah. Yeah, they would put a strobe light on it, and the strobe light would go in a circle, and it was just a lighting effect. And then there was a cutout in the saw when it went through him. Yep. Um, yeah, and we'll get more into some of this magic stuff in the second half, because there's some other folks that we want to talk about. If there's any magicians listening, I'm sorry. Yeah, apologize. I do have some friends that are magicians. They told me a lot of their secrets. Um, I have a lot of secrets, but they weren't from magicians. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Secret, secret. I got a secret. That's not a secret if I tell you, but I tell you everything, so. You do. I know your secrets. Um, So, yeah, it's... These expose shows were, were, you know, one thing. Just off topic, and I don't even have the research up for this, but one of the most <coughs> notorious uh, special presentations that they did yeah. was when... Geraldo Rivera dug into Al Capone's vault. 
Oh, yeah, they found nothing. They found, like, empty bottles and dirt. Yeah. That's it. it like, we're going to find all sorts of stuff in here. Oh, they thought they were going to find fucking uh, well, didn't guns. They, wasn't and... it like they found, like, Bonnie and Clyde's car or some shit, too? Or was that something else? That was something different. Oh, okay. No, this, they, they had Al Capone's vault, and they were going to open it up. And it was like a two-hour-long special. of And all it was was Geraldo Rivera talking about it. Yeah. And then they would uncover a little bit, and they'd find another door. And they're like, okay, we got to dig some more. And they dig some more, and they find another door. And they found empty bottles and dirt. And... You know, he was pissed. It went off the air like, well, we didn't find shit. Didn't find diddly shit. <laughs> so... Could have found, like, a paper plate or something. That one is, you know, is one that sticks out in my head as, like, an epic failure. That's a total epic failure. We watched that shit for hours, and it was like, they're going to find something. And then shortly after that, he got punched in the nose by a Nazi. He did. They threw a chair at him. Yeah. Yeah. And then that same guy, that skinhead, got his head cut off by Gore. By Gore, yeah. He did. Okay, so we're going to talk about this one, and then we'll take a little break. In the same vein of Breaking the Magician's Code, uh, back in, uh, actually in 98, this special came out on NBC, and it was exposed Pro Wrestling's Greatest Secrets. I don't recognize any of those people in this picture. In in the main picture? Yeah. I will tell you who they are. All right, because they're kind of fuzzy to me. Yeah, I will. I will. Let me, let me bring that up, because they are all, you will recognize most of the names. Um, what this did is... You want pizza roll? No, thank you. <laughs> uh, what this did is this told the story of, or you know, the, the, the tricks, if you will, behind the theatrics of professional wrestling. Um, and I remember, I've, I've watched this over and over. I know for a fact this is on YouTube because I've watched it. I've never seen this. I'm going to have to watch this. I watched it recently. Um, so they would they would talk about how they booked the shows. Yeah. They would talk about, you know, hey, and this was when it was kind of known that there was a lot of theatrics in wrestling, but it wasn't known how scripted it was. Yeah. You know, they didn't know it was scripted back then like it is now. Right. It was just starting to come out and then boom, this show came out and exposed it all. Um. So these, all these wrestlers and everyone that participated wore masks so that their identities would not be discovered until much later. Okay. And, uh... That's why they all look funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they all have masks on. And they, uh... They went through as far as telling, okay, you know, these guys get along, they talk about their matches, they practice their matches. Here's how they, you know, punch. Here's how they, they stomp when they punch. There's a microphone under the ring. That accentuates that noise. Mm-hmm. There is um, what is what they called the stunt granny, that was a fan in the crowd. That was a stunt woman that was all padded up. Yeah, and it was an older woman, and they would shove her down, and then they would like show it two or three times, and they would show how they did it, how she fell, and they would show that she was winking at the guy to let her let him know that she was okay. Yeah, and they went through all this shit, right? Pissed a ton of people off. Oh, guarantee it. And when you hear one of the names on here, you're going to be like, what the fuck? He was involved in it? Because he's one that probably would have got the most pissed off about something like this. But let me give you these names real quick. Okay, so 
there were names such as um, Mike Modest, who was, uh, if you ever saw um, uh, Beyond the Mat, yeah, Mike Modest was featured in Beyond the Mat okay. as an up-and-coming wrestler who got a tryout with WWE. Okay, uh, Gary Wolf and uh, Anthony Durante, who were the Pitbulls in ECW. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Um, here's the biggest... Well, let me let me do this real quick because I want to get make sure I get all the names because there were quite a few names that were like what the fuck. Um, Adam Pierce, really? Adam Pierce, who you see on on SmackDown and Raw weekly now. Yep, he was in this. Uh, Christopher Daniels, the Fallen Angel, was in this. Um, a couple of them that you don't recognize, but the Booker, the one that told all the secrets of the booking. Fucking Harley Race. Oh, shit. Harley Race would have been the first person to get fucking pissed about somebody doing this. And he's like the lead one telling all the secrets, right? So he, I, I know that he caught a, a bunch of shit from... Probably McMahon. The, the still, boys. He was still working for Vince then. I, I, I'm i not sure. This, I mean, this was in 98, and he was part of... The corporation. He Harley Race might have been out by then. I think. I think uh, late eighties. He was done, and he was doing his own thing down in Kansas City. Oh, by then. But yeah, I thought he was one of McMahon's little minions. No, 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 no. That was Briscoe, and Briscoe and Patterson. Patterson. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, with them exposing what they exposed in this, and it's things that now are very commonplace. Everybody knows it's common knowledge. Yeah. Back then, it was not, and I remember it being a huge deal. Huge. But, yeah, you said you've never seen this one. No, I've never seen this. You I've will have to watch this, because, because it's, it's fucking amazing what they, what they actually showed and what they explained. Absolutely amazing. This is what, 98? This was in 98, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, you can find it on, on uh, YouTube very easily. Okay. You just type in that, Expose Pro Wrestling's Greatest Secrets. And it'll pop right up. Oh, sure. And it's okay, a full show. There. Yeah, it's a full show. So. It's a, and it says rip. Yeah. So anything else you want to talk about with, with what we've talked about so far? We've talked about Battle of the Network stars, Circus of the Stars. I'm, other than me having to watch this show. Breaking the Magician's Code and Pro Wrestling's Greatest Secrets Exposed. Yeah, I'd like to know more about this, like what they exposed, but I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, I mean, what they, they, they showed how they, how they punch or not really hurting each other. They show like how the moves... How you can do it, and it looks like it really hurts, but it really doesn't. And how they act, yeah. And they how they sh- how they show, you know, they they emote their their feelings and their, their pain and well, what. Like, I'll show like I, when when like when we go to wrestling, you know, I take Char with me. Uh, she'll ask me, "How does he not hurt?" I said, "Well, it's you know, if you watch close enough, he's not really hitting him. Yeah. And when he makes that, when it sounds like he's hitting him, you actually watch him slap his leg." Yeah, and they do quick. Oh yeah, I mean you got to be looking for it. If you don't, if you're not looking for it, you're not gonna see it. Right. But yeah, this... like well, like with the, that last match, you know, with the thumbtacks and everything. Oh yeah, you know that shit's gotta hurt. I don't care how fake stuff is, but yeah, you yeah, know, you got thumbtack stuck. You got a thumbtack sticking to your butt cheek. When that you hurts. Stand up. That hurts. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna hurt. But yeah, this this more showed you know how certain things are are scripted and how certain things are how they 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 create the illusion. Yeah. That it's a fight when it's basically a, a dance. That's all, yeah. You it's know. like it's like how like when you're watching Man on the Moon, how Andy Kaufman says it's like watching ballet. Yes. 
You know, it's the yeah. same thing. Anything else you want to cover on these? No, no. Okay. So I guess we'll take a little break here. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about three big names in the special TV special genre. Three guys that you had you watched when you were a kid. If they were on, it was you watched family them. TV night. Yes, it was. So we will be back right after this. Good, because I'm out of pizza rolls. And now these messages. Your favorite stars from your favorite shows. Murphy Brown, Beverly Hills 90210, Fresh Prince, Young and the Restless, MTV, Evening Shade, and more. Join hosts Leslie Nielsen and Dixie Carter for star-studded, heart-stopping suspense. Plus, Vanilla Ice Live with a ride into a deadly wall of fire. The all-new Circus of the Stars and Sideshow next. Hi there, time for Timer, your roving reporter. I'm talking to you from in factory, your digestive system. You know what we build here? You! Not out of wood or metal, but out of food. You see, you are what you eat from your head down to your feet. Things like meat and eggs and fish you need to build up muscle tissue. Uh-oh! Hello, appetite control, more protein. We need energy. Playing tennis today, you know. Whoops! All these motors in your body need a lot of fuel to go on, like carbohydrates, fats and proteins, vitamins, and so on. What's left over forms the building blocks you need, indeed, to grow on. Yes, you are what you swallow, so that next time you feel hollow, don't just fill your face with any old kind of treat. This goes for every kid or six-foot athlete. All you really are is what you eat. Sunday, all the secrets pro wrestling doesn't want you to see. I want to show you how fake it is. Pro wrestling's greatest secrets exposed. NBC Sunday, 7, 6 Central. CBS Unforgettable Monday presents the greatest magician of our time, David Copperfield, in an astonishing special that will blow you away. Some of the most extraordinary illusions ever seen anywhere will be performed. And if you dare... David takes you on a journey into the wicked world of spirits. See if he can bring you back alive. They are truly unexplained forces. The Magic of David Copperfield, CBS Monday. Hi, I'm Doug Henning, and I love magic. You'll love how you can capture those magic moments that happen every day in your family with a Minolta Pocket Auto Pack camera. There's easy cartridge loading. A built-in electronic flash for indoor and nighttime pictures. A lens for close-ups and portraits. It's a camera that says yes to all kinds of pictures. Magic. Live on stage, Doug Henning presents a new evening of magic and wonder. Master magician Doug Henning, creator and star of three Broadway shows and eight television specials. Co-starring Debbie Henning, introducing their new astounding illusions. The critics rave. Doug Henning is the greatest magician of modern times, says John Mahoney, L.A. Times. Frank Rich, New York Times, says Doug Henning is beyond compare as an illusionist. Don't miss this magical thrill of a lifetime for the entire family. Michael Stryer presents The Magic of Doug Henning, April 18th at the Providence Performing Arts Center.
Copperfield, the magic of David Copperfield. More than a magician, a spectacular new dimension. Now with super new illusions for 1989. David Copperfield, the man who vanished in the airplane and made the Statue of Liberty disappear. David Copperfield, on stage with new illusions that defy logic, that defy your imagination. The magic of David Copperfield. Wednesday, March 8th, 5.30 p.m. at 8.30 p.m. For tickets, call 326-3604. Listen up. Sometimes life gives you a bad fortune, but you can't let it get you down. You just keep pushing, and everything will turn out just fine. Take it from me, Mr. T. And we're back. So, we mentioned in the first half the masked magician and how he exposed all these great illusions. But we said we were going to talk about some other folks. And so, do you remember, especially like in the 80s, magic was huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was... It was on every weird kind of show. Yeah. Like, you know, like um, um, what the hell is the name of it? Star Search. Yes. They would if have you were at Star Search, you made it. Right. Um, so, but they... Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon. Yes. Ha, 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 ha. That's why I make man impression. That was a good one. Thank you. That's way better than Mike's German accent today. Yeah. I was like, dude, that was a terrible Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first one we want to talk about is, I remember this guy being on all through the 80s. Um, Doug Henning. Mr. Perfect? No, that's Kurt Henning. Oh, so this is his dad. No, his dad was Larry the Axe Henning. And that wasn't Henning, that was Hennig. 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 Well, his name was Kurt Henning in wrestling. I, they may have changed it, but I know that the name was, was he, Hennig. Hennig. Uh, yeah, Kurt, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. And everybody always says Henning, but that was not his name. This is Doug Henning. And. Distant relative. Yeah. Dyslexic relative. <laughs> so he was a Canadian uh, magician, illusionist, and escape artist. He had perfect hair. Yeah, he really did, and a great mustache. Yes, he has a dude. He's got like that, that Tom Selleck mustache. He does. So you guys have all seen this guy, usually depicted with with uh, long hair, a uh, very uh, lovely soft mustache, uh, mustache. He uh, a lot of times in kind of hippie-looking clothes or, or kind of colorful clothing and s sitting on a rainbow or or levitating. That is, guy, he always tripped me out. That's how he's pictured. He was always kind of just like a, a the hippie magician guy. Yeah. Um. So he, uh, he had these specials on called The World of Magic. And The World of Magic first aired in 1975. Where he performed the water torture illusion that Houdini had done. The guy was obsessed with Houdini. Is this, isn't, that the, isn't that the one that Houdini died in? Uh, yeah. He, Houdini died uh, doing, like he was locked in a barrel or something. But what actually killed him, he, his appendix burst. Yeah. And he didn't know. Well, he says that earlier in his show, he had uh, an audience member punch him in the stomach. Because he was showing that he had abs of steel or whatever. Yeah. 
And they said that he didn't know that his appendix were inflamed. That caused him to burst. Then they locked him in this barrel and put him underwater, and he died. Yep. Allegedly. I don't know if that's what happened. I don't know if that's even true. That's just what I'm remembering, and that's what this is about, is what we remember, not what is actually true. Yeah, what we remember and what's actually true are two different things. Way, sometimes way different. Um, so, his his uh, World of Magic specialty started in 75. They continued throughout the 70s, and the last one was actually in 82. They must have replayed these things, because I, I remember, remember watching them. I remember seeing them. And... Uh, these are, another, these are another things you can watch on YouTube, probably. Oh, I'm sure. And just his way of... I mean, it was almost like having... Uh, it was almost like watching a very stoned man perform magic and give you these really nice inspirational talks while he's doing it. Sounds like you. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... I've seen your hypnotist shows... <laughs> My hypnotist, I'm a little meaner in my hypnotist show sometimes. Let's go back to the early days of Doug Henning, and we'll just kind of talk about who he is, where he came from, and what the hell he did. Um, he was, like we said, he was Canadian. He was born in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Manitoba. And uh, he, he was six years old when he first experienced magic. He watched a magician on television, and he asked what made this lady float in the air. His mom told him magic. And... He remembered what it felt like to hear the word magic for the first time, and he wanted to recreate that emotion for other people. That's awesome. Uh, he performed his first show at age 14 at the birthday party of a friend, and the audience was just amazed by what they saw him do, and that further made him want to pursue a career in magic. So he actually, at that time, placed an ad in the newspaper and then he started performing on local television in Toronto. And he started doing parties. So, after he graduated high school, he quit magic. Because he didn't want to do it for a living. Because he thought that there were only two kinds of magicians. There was either kids party magic. Mm -hmm. Or nightclub magic. And he didn't want to do either one of them. So, he studied psychology in college. And he was trying to get his master's degree. And he met uh, a gentleman um, that we, we should probably talk about and give props to. His name's Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman, yeah. He just, just passed just away. Just passed away. On Valentine's Day, actually. Yeah. And so he, he met Ivan Reitman. And uh, Ivan Reitman was... Um, he, he was... Well, he, he was doing a production... Of Little Abner. So I'm thinking like a stage production. Yeah. And Doug Henning was cast as a role. In, in uh, He was the Lonesome Polecat. I'm going to start calling you that. <laughs> lonesome Polecat. <laughs> so. It's a western? <laughs> no, it's Little Abner. I've never seen it. Little Abner was a uh, cartoon strip. Oh. It, it was uh, a bunch of, it was like a clan of hillbillies. And, uh. It was just like a satire comic strip. Well, they made it into a, a stage production. Oh, okay. That Ivan Reitman was... Uh, it was probably great. Was, ...was produced. It was directing, and all of a sudden, Doug Henning crossed paths with Ivan Reitman. He's seen that mustache. He's like, you're in. Yeah. Um, Greatest mustache in the magician world. So, 
the, he, he kind of got this magic bug rekindled in him. Uh, he had, you know, performed all over Canada and he decided he needed more theatrical training to further what he wanted to do with his magic. So he studied under a mime, he studied dance, he started going and, and really studying the great magicians of the past. And that's where he started really taking a deep dive into the, the life of Harry Houdini. And, um, you, you know, I, I know that Reitman, Reitman had stuff to do with later his later career. Um, but I'm, I'm damned if I know what the fuck it was. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not really mentioned anymore. It's like, he met Ivan Reitman. Now, I did see something down here because it, it's something about the spell, Spielbound that Reitman... Oh, here it is. Spellbound. Yeah. Who directed Spellbound? Spellbound, yes. So, uh, as, as... If I just would have read a couple more fucking lines, I would have found it. <laughs> so, he, you know, he studied uh, magic... Under uh, different magicians, different performers and all that, asking him to take lessons with some of the greats. And then all of a sudden, he decided that he wanted to do a live theatrical show called Spellbound. So he went back and he found Ivan Reitman. And Ivan Reitman directed Spellbound for him. With music by Howard Shore. Wow. Howard Shore did the uh, scores for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy was surrounded by people who would go on to become greats in their field. Yeah. And I... Uh, Entertainment gods. Basically, yeah. So he borrowed $5,000 to build his illusions. And then uh, one man came along and said... I like this project, and he threw seventy thousand dollars into the pot. Wow! And they only had time for two dress rehearsals, and neither one of them could be in the theater that they were going to perform it in. Oh shit! So they broke box office records with all this, uh, you know, all this this performance, and then he, Doug Henning decided to go to NBC and said, I want to produce a television special. And he suggested that he would reproduce Harry Houdini's Water Torture Escape. And uh, they, he got signed on that. Nice. And he was the first person to do it since Houdini tried to do it. Yes. Well, 50 million people tuned in to watch that. And so they decided, hey, we're going to continue this. In the meantime, Doug Henning wrote a biography on Harry Houdini. He created illusions for the disco group The Earth, The Wind, and The Fire. And uh, you, you know who The Earth, The Wind, and The Fire are, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. They got that song, September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, lo- I love that fucking song. That's a great tune. Uh, he also did music, or er, he did illusions for... Michael Jackson. Yep. And also for the Jackson's Victory Tour. Yep. Which was, we said another name. It was Victory. I don't remember what we said when we were talking about the Pepsi commercial. But it was Victory was the tour that when he reunited with his brothers, Michael Jackson, and the 
Jackson 5, which was like the Jackson 7 now, I think, at this yeah. point. Yeah. Because a couple of the younger ones were in there, too. Um, so he did all that. Uh, and, <clears throat> excuse me, all the, all the while, every year, cranking out a World of Magic special. Now, he would have guest stars on all the time. Glenn Campbell was on. Sandy Duncan was on one. Uh, he uh, he had... Uh, uh, who else? There was somebody else that was on a big one. I don't remember. Anyhow, his... Uh, Michael Landon. Michael Landon, that's right. He was right. the host. Yes. Um, he, the illusions that he would do, he... Uh, he did walking through a brick wall. That's got to be crazy. Especially back then. Yeah. Uh, he did a magical journey through time where he seemingly stopped time. Uh, he did... Um, oh, Mar- Marie Osmond was on was on one. Uh, he escaped through... He didn't escape, and he used a Rube Goldberg machine to facilitate his escape. A Rube Goldberg machine, we've discussed this before. Yeah. It's like uh, Pee Wee Herman's breakfast machine. Okay, yep. Where you do an elaborate series of chain reactions. To get one. To get one simple task done. Yeah. You know, it takes you 20 minutes to crack an egg because you push this button and this little boot kicks this. And it's like a big fucking game of that. Or a big, you know, a big fucking... Uh, elaborate game of mousetrap. Yeah. Which I hate that fucking game still. <laughs> um, Want to play Monopoly? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but, and then all of a sudden, at the end of it, he popped out where he was locked in a trunk or something and yeah. he all of a sudden shows up. Uh, but one of the, the last uh, big stunts that he did he took a black horse and a white horse and made them into a zebra. Shit. Yes, and I can remember seeing that on television in 1982. I remember it well. Now, his thing, since he was like the feel-good, uh, kind of uh, you know, yoga hippie magician, yeah. at the end of every one of his performances, he would say, anything... The mind can conceive is possible. Nothing is impossible. All you have to do is look within, and you can realize your fondest dreams. I remember that. I would like to wish each one of you all of life's wonders and a joyful age of enlightenment. The guy, I mean, little goofy, yeah, little cheesy. The guy was a great magician. He's a great illusionist. And I can remember as a kid, I preferred... Doug Henning over the other big illusionist that we're going to speak of here in a moment. Yeah. Uh, Doug Henning was on all kinds of other shows. He was always on uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, he would appear on like the variety shows that they would do. He was on The Muppets. He was on The Muppets. He was on Crystal Gale's uh, variety program special. He was on the Osmond Family Christmas special. Uh, he performed for... Uh, Plymouth Voyager minivan. Well, he, yeah, he, perform, he, he was <laughs> in a commercial. <laughs> he didn't perform for a fucking van. But, however, he did perform for many uh, notable dignitaries, uh, you know, well-known 
politicians, I believe the royal family, yep. uh, things like that. And he ended up <laughs> in the 90s. He, he was Canadian, mm-hmm. but he ran for parliament in England. Oh, wow. Because Canada is a territory of England, basically. Yep. Uh, and they, or, or they're somehow connected. Um, so it's a commonwealth, that's what they call it. Commonwealth nation. And he well, ran... They couldn't keep us, so they took Canada instead. Yeah. Like, we can't get them damn colonials, let's go north. Yeah, we'll go north. They're, they're too polite to say no. <laughs> okay. Hey. 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 You, you want to be part of England? Okay, hey. Well, all right, yeah, hey. Yeah. Hey. Um, so they, uh, and they should have just said, piss off, hoser. I know. You know. But, so he, uh, he became a politician after his magic career kind of wrapped up. And I guess, I don't think he ever really won anything, but he ran for quite a few different, different uh, offices. Uh, and had a, basically a career as a politician, as a, a um, what do they call it, like a lobbyist? Yeah. Um, he also was, was very very heavily involved in the uh, transcendental meditation. He went to uh, study in India, I believe, and he would use that as part of his illusions, as part of his stage show. Uh, he married a lady. He married... Henning married Debbie Dullard yeah. in the Ladies' Dome in Fairfield, Iowa. He did. In 1977, or in 81, he got married for the first time in 77, got divorced and remarried in 81, and uh, in the year 2000, he actually passed away at age 52, uh, because he was diagnosed with liver cancer. Oh, wow. His ashes were scattered in the Pacific Ocean off of Redondo Beach, California. Now, uh, they, much like Andy Kaufman... Uh, Doug Henning decided to forego traditional medical treatment and went for a more, uh, what they call it, holistic, holistic ap- yeah. approach. Um, and uh, a lot of people, including a very, very good friend of his, say that that's, that was to blame for him just getting diagnosed and passing away right away. Is that he refused to go the traditional medical route. Yeah. So, but that's that's his choice, I guess. Well, here in 2005, a handwritten letter from Henning to James Randi was placed up for was placed for auction on eBay. Unbeknownst to Randi, when Randi learned of it, he announced on his blog that the letter had been stolen from his files. A week later, Randi wrote a, wrote the wrote that he managed to have the sale stopped, and that the letter was back in his possession. Yeah, and, and uh, James Randi is one of the main um, people that spoke out and said he could have gone the medical route. He did not. Yeah. He went the, the spiritual route and the uh, holistic route, and that's what killed him. I mean, he he just flat out said it, and uh, whatever, you know. He did, uh, in 2010, he got a uh, star on the Canadian Walk of Fame. And his zigzag girl illusion is housed in the American Museum of Magic. There is a book out about uh, Doug Henning. It's called Spellbound, The Wonder-Filled Life of Doug Henning. It was written by John Harrison, released in 2009 to good reviews. So that's Doug Henning. 
You remember you remember seeing him. He's oh yeah. He was just always kind of a goofy. A goofy. Guy. He was just you know, a goofy, kind of fun spirited guy. He looked like a really super nice guy. Yeah. Now his, and like I said, I preferred as a kid. I preferred his shows to the shows of this gentleman, uh, Mr. David Copperfield. I do like his, but I think this guy would probably made made it more entertaining. Yeah, because Copperfield was very serious. Yeah. Everything was very serious. And, you know, I thought it had an air of arrogance to it. Oh, yeah. Doug Henning was more of a, you know, kind, uh, kind-hearted, you know, one to be your friend and show you a cool trick and then make you feel good about yourself for watching mm-hmm. his magic. Now, David Copperfield, he... Uh, is probably the greatest illusionist ever, I would say. Yeah. Uh, probably the most successful illusionist ever. Um, I know that there are others that I really enjoy, such as like Penn and Teller. I do like Penn and um, Teller. You know. But now they're retired. Yeah. But Copperfield would have his yearly special. Let's just go over kind of what, what Copperfield has, you know, like where he came from and all that. Uh, Copperfield was, he's from New Jersey. Um, pretty, uh, you can tell that by the hair. Yeah. <laughs> he was a pretty, pretty, you know, typical childhood, but at age 10, he became a magician and he was performing in his neighborhood. And by age 12, he was the youngest person ever admitted to the society of American magicians. Now this, I think you could say about a lot of people that get into magic. He was shy he was kind of a loner, and he saw magic as a way to fit in, and later to meet women. Uh, he would practice magic and ventriloquism at his summer camps that he would attend. I need to get to magic. <laughs> so he uh, he was you know just kind of as a kid showing showing his tricks that he that he had learned. Yeah. Right. And. By the time he was 16, he was actually teaching a magic class at New York University. Oh, wow. By the time he was 18, he had entered college, and then he, but he left weeks, three weeks into his freshman year to play the lead role in the musical The Music Man in Chicago. That's when he became David Copperfield. He took the name from a famous Charles Dickens novel because he liked the way it sounded. Yeah. So he sang, he danced, and created most of the illusions that were used in The Magic Man, which became the longest-running musical in Chicago history. At 19, he created a headline for several months, the first Magic of David Copperfield show at the Pagoda Hotel in Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, wow. So 19 years old, he's got his own show, in Hawaii. Yeah, he's on top of the world. Yeah. And then just because of connections that he made, being in Broadway shows and all of you know his, uh, his stage work, in 77, they had The Magic of ABC hosted by David Copperfield. And then they started doing The Magic of David Copperfield specials, which ran on CBS from 1978 to 2001 there were 18 specials and two documentaries oh wow uh 
he had roles in movies as a notable magician. Uh, the 1980 horror film uh, Terror Train. Uh, he, I know, was a uh, consultant on the Hocus Pocus. Not Hocus Pocus. Now you see me movies. Oh, yeah. The the heist. Yep. He was a consultant on the magic of that. And I want to say that he had something to do with the Lord of Illusions. For some reason, that sticks out to me. Um, the movie? Yes. The, the yeah. Yeah, the Clive Barker movie. So, his famous illusions. He made the Orient Express, which was a passenger train, disappear. He made the dining car disappear in uh, in 1991. He flew on stage for several minutes in 1992. He walked through the Great Wall of China in 1986. I remember that. I remember t- seeing that one. He levitated over the Grand Canyon in 1984. And he made the Statue of Liberty disappear that's in 1983. His, that's his, probably his biggest one. Yeah. I can also remember him making uh, airplanes disappear. I uh, I remember the big bu- he did the big buzzsaw that yeah. cut him in half. And it actually made it appear that the trick had failed. And it actually cut him in half. Oh shit! And then he used mat like his he was lifeless, and then his fingers started twitching, and it made everything go back together. Reversed it, and he got out. Oh wow! Yeah, he made it look like it failed, and then he made he made everything better with with magic. Uh, he had Broadway shows that were he collaborated with uh, with Francis Ford Coppola to uh, to make this Broadway show Dreams and Nightmares. Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. He's another good director. Uh, father of Nicolas Cage. Oh, that's right. Let's have a Nicolas Cage break. Fuck yes. I love Nicolas Cage. Ah, couldn't you put the bunny back in the box? And there was Nicolas Cage, star of the greatest fucking thing ever to happen to film. Con Air. Con Air, my favorite movie. Oh, that's a great movie. Love that movie. Nobody move or the bunny gets it. That's it. So... Uh, yeah, he, uh... John Malkovich is a fucking genius. He is. He is. I like watching him in, uh... Was it, um... The, uh, Space Show on Netflix? I don't know what you're talking about. What the hell, um... What is it? It's, uh... Ah, fuck, I can't remember. I have to look. Deep Space Nine? No, this is, they're making fun of, um... Trump's um, space, space force, space. Yeah, that's it's, called it's called space force. Yeah, yeah. They're making it's like a spoof on that, and Malkovich is a scientist. Oh, okay, it's fucking hilarious. Well, um, David Copperfield once uh, entertained guests at the White House. It was a benefit for UNICEF, and he, uh, oh, he just uh, took. Did he, did uh, he clean Monica Lewinsky's dress? Uh, no, but <laughs> he did cut uh, Jennifer Lopez into six pieces. Oh man, yeah. Can you, I just have the lower half? You could have put that on fucking eBay and sold sold, sold pieces of J Lo, um, and, and that was actually a, a an update because he once cut uh, Catherine Bach, was Daisy, oh, yeah. Daisy Duke. He cut her into six pieces once. I'll take one of those pieces too. <laughs> um, he uh, performed at the Academy of Country Music Awards, the forty fourth annual edition of that. First, he made Taylor Swift appear inside of a uh, glass elevator. 
that was lowered from the it was lowered from the ceiling and she appeared in there. And then he sawed her in half. <laughs> Good. I uh, he uh, he was working I like with Taylor Swift. I'm just kidding. He was working <laughs> with with Michael Jackson when Michael Jackson had a res- residency at the O2 Arena, and uh, Michael Jackson fired him because David Copperfield said he wanted one million dollars per show. <laughs> David Copperfield denied the reports of the falling out, saying, "Don't believe everything you read." And the news of the collaboration. With Michael Jackson surfaced on April 1st, 2009. That was an April Fool's joke. It was an April Fool's joke. That's great. He has traveled the world over as uh, an illusionist. He was on the, in the cast of Burt Wonderstone. Yeah, he had a, he had a small role in that. Yeah. Uh, I think he asked Steve Carell for his autograph. I think he did. He once made... The missing star from the original Star Spangled Banner flag reappear on Flag Day in 2019. Oh, nice. In partnership with the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. The the missing star was believed to have been removed in the 19th century. It reappeared inside of a box that seemed to levitate. Oh, wow. So his he took inspiration from Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Orson Welles, and Walt Disney. And... Kind of put them together to make magic. So we need to have a Gene Kelly break. You want a Gene Kelly break? I want a Gene Kelly break. Okay, here's Gene Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Well, the guy was a singer and a songwriter and a dancer. Yep, and and we just had a break with him. We did. Yeah. Fuck it. Here's Gene Simmons. Hi, I'm Gene Simmons. You're not. Yeah, that was a Gene Simmons break. (laughs) I was wrong. That's who I meant. Thanks. Thanks, Rex. Thanks, Rex. Rex. Rex, number two fan, Rex. Who just had a birthday. He did. Yeah. And uh, Gene Simmons wished him a happy birthday and he said, did. give me some money. Yeah. <laughs> Toys from the Past, Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks, Rex. Thanks, Rex. So, uh, David Copperfield, I mean, he did all kinds of shit. Uh, he, he, I think he launched something at the moon? He launched something at the moon? David Copperfield's magic secrets and related technological innovations are etched into nickel plates designed to last for billions of years. As a part of the Arch Mission Foundation Lunar Library that crashed on the moon in April of 2019, 
during an attempted landing of the lunar module Beersheet, it's believed the payload survived. So his shit is on the moon. His secrets are on the moon. Oh, shit. Apparently. Of course, he had a few accidents and injuries. Uh, he, in 2000, or in 1984, he was doing an illusion called Escape from Death, where he was shackled and handcuffed inside of a tank of water. He became tangled in the chains and started taking in water and banging on the sides of the tanks. He was pulled from the water after 80 seconds, hyperventilating and in shock, taken to a Burbank hospital, and that he had pulled tendons in his arms and legs. He was in a wheelchair for a week and used a cane for a period thereafter. Oh, shit. While doing a rope trick in Memphis in uh, 1989, he accidentally cut off the tip of his finger with a pair of sharp scissors. That happens. Uh, He was rushed to the hospital and his fingertip was reattached. And in 2008, at a live performance in Las Vegas, a 26-year-old assistant named Brandon was sucked into the spinning blades of a 12-foot high industrial fan that David Copperfield walked through. The assistant sustained multiple fractures to his arm, severe bleeding, and facial, facial lacerations that required stitches. So Copperfield canceled the rest of the performance that evening and refunded the audience members' money. Oh, shit. Just before the COVID-19 pandemic, David Copperfield was performing daily with 15 shows scheduled each week at the David Copperfield Theater at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Uh, We'll just kind of skip to uh, his personal life. In 93, he met Claudia Schiffer. Lucky bastard. He brought her on stage to participate in a mind-reading act and his flying illusion. And in 94, they became engaged. Uh, She sometimes would appear on stage to assist him. Claudia Schiffer. Swing. (laughs) Swing. Swing. She would, she would be his assistant, including being sawed in half. Uh, she appeared in his documentary, David Copperfield, 15 Years of Magic. And uh, after they were engaged for six years, they separated in 1999, citing work schedule conflicts. Somebody was working too much. Yeah. In 2006, he and two female assistants were robbed at gunpoint. His assistants handed over their money, passports, and a cell phone. Uh, according to the police statement, Copperfield did not hand over anything, claiming that he used sleight of hand to hide all of his possessions. And then he later admitted that it was a very stupid thing. It was a reflex that could have got him shot. Oh, yeah. One of his assistants wrote down most of the license plate, and the suspects were later arrested, charged, and sentenced. Nice. Uh, he... Uh, Later, he had a girlfriend named uh, Chloe Gosselin. She was a French fashion model, 28 years younger than him. She gave birth to his daughter, Skye, in February of 2010. But it was not reported until August of 2011. He kept that shit quiet. He did. He didn't want anybody bugging him. He's got two other children. He's got a son named Dylan and a daughter named Audrey. And uh, man, this dude made... Made serious money. He bought fucking... He bought three islands, dude. Yeah. In Hawaii. Yes. He made, he made $55 million in 2003, making him the highest... Or the 10th highest paid celebrity in the world. Um, Yeah, this guy... I mean, he just makes like millions and millions of dollars. 
And that's not even during his heyday. No. So he does a lot of chari- charitable, uh, charitable things. You know, he 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 runs Project Magic, which is a, uh, a rehabilitation program. Well, if you want to go to his house, there's his address right here. No, oh, no shit. Yeah. Let's not put that on the air. It's on. It, it's on that. Yeah. He lives in Vegas. Yep. He bought a house for seventeen point five five million. It's a, yeah. It's a tiny little shack. Um. He uh. He uses magic. To help rehabilitate disabled people. And uh, that's what Project Magic does. That's pretty fucking cool. He also uh, does a lot of work with UNICEF. Um, he uh, helped with the... Uh, when, when Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas in 2019, he lent his private plane to help fly in supplies. Oh, wow. The guy's been decorated with all kinds of awards and achievements. And he uh, holds 11 Guinness World Records. Most magic shows performed in a year. Most tickets sold worldwide by a solo entertainer. Highest career earnings as a magician. Largest international television audience for a magician. Highest annual earnings for a magician. Largest Broadway attendance in a week. Largest magic work archive. Most expensive poster depicting magic sold in an auction. And the largest illusion ever staged. Holy fuck. Which, who knows which one it was, because he did a lot of big shit. Yeah. I'd say it had to have been making the Statue of Liberty disappear. That could have been one. Or uh, great, walking through the Great Wall. Walking through the Great Wall could have been it. Um, but yeah, he made I mean, he made a helicopter or a plane or something disappear. I, believe, I remember making a tank disappear. Yeah. I think he made an elephant disappear once. I remember that. So, I mean, the guy was just amazing. Didn't he pick up an elephant? I don't know. I don't think he picked up an elephant. Uh, he he is planning some new illusions um, things that he wants to do so like his bucket list yeah he wants to uh, make a woman's face appear on Mount Rushmore he wants to straighten the leaning tower of Pisa and he wants to make the moon vanish and he would like to make an island disappear that sounds cool like we, you know, we we talked about, he was on all these different uh, shows and movies. Yeah. Uh, Terror Train. He was on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Scrubs. Uh, America's Got Talent. He was on The Simpsons. The Wizards of Waverly Place. We mentioned Burt Wonderstone. Yeah. The Amazing Race. American Restoration. Seven Days in Hell. Uh, his popular illusions. Laser Illusion. Portal. Walking Through the Great Wall. Death Saw, Flying Illusion, Squeeze Box, as well as the aforementioned Disappearance of the Statue of Liberty and Walking Through the Great Wall of China. So what are you... What, I can remember this being family you know, oh, TV. Yeah. You I sit, think it was like on a Friday or a Sunday night or something. Yeah, it would always be on uh, you know a night where everybody could get together and watch. Yep. It was always very well hyped. It was like a two-hour long special, and you would sit and watch You were glued to Everybody TV. in the family would be glued to that television. So... Anything else you want to talk about? Magic, Dave, uh, David Copperfield, Doug no, Henning. he's just fucking super entertaining. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. Yeah. And he does, a, he's obviously really good at what he does. Yes. Both of them were very good at what they did. And they, they would captivate an audience. And they were very successful at what they did. Yes. This last fellow we're going to talk about, more famous for not being successful at what he yes. did. Um, but still... His TV uh, specials, again, garnered 
huge ratings. Everybody would watch. And, uh, I mean, this guy was pretty amazing. I think he was. But real quick, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and we'll start this next topic. Okay. When you have to go body, stop and go right away. Flush and wash and be on your way. Okay, so so this, we want to talk about um, Evil Knievel. And Evil Knievel was a stunt performer and entertainer. Uh, in his career, he attempted more than 75 ramp-to-ramp motorcycle jumps. And he actually is in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame. He got inducted in uh, 1999. So, I know that, that I know you're a fan of Evil Knievel. Yeah. Hit, all of his stuff was done a little bit before our time. Like the, the, the bulk of 70s, it. Late yeah. 70s. The bulk of it was a little bit before our time. But I do. I remember seeing it on television into the '80s, so they must have replayed it. He wasn't. He wasn't a spring chicken when he was doing these stunts. No, he was not. He was. He was well into his forties. So, um, it, it, we'll just skip to his career. He uh, he had seen a motorcycle stunt show, and he decided he could do. He could do what you know what he saw on the television. So he uh, decided to make his own stunt show. And the first thing he did was he popped a few wheelies. You know, he, he was the his own MC. He popped a few wheelies. And then he jumped over a 20-foot-long box of rattlesnakes with two mountain lions in it. And... He landed short. His back wheel hit the box containing the rattlesnakes, <laughs> but he landed safely. So he knew that there was money to be made. So he started hiring a crew and the crew would do the show and he would concentrate on his jumps. Yep. And he, uh, he would just get bigger and bigger stunts. Um, most of the time, I mean, he, he, he had successful jumps. Yeah, not very few and far between, but... He was more known, though, for his crashes. And he started jumping cars. You know, he'd, he'd line up cars and he would jump the cars. Yeah. And every successful jump, he would add another car. So he attempted to jump 12 cars in a cargo van. He did not uh, gather enough speed on the ramp... And he hit the van, hit on the top of the van, and then he landed on the uh, the landing ramp, resulting in a severely broken arm and several broken ribs. And he had to uh, stay in the hospital for a while. The public, though, wanted more and more and more. So they wanted him to try another car. So this was in 67. Uh, he jumped 15 cars. And then he tried to do it again. And crashed. He landed on the last vehicle, was thrown from his bike, <laughs> suffered a serious concussion. So then he, uh, after a month he recovered, he went back and finished the show and crashed again. <laughs> this time, he broke his wrist, his right knee, and two ribs. Oh my God. 
So after that, that's when he became, he got some national exposure. This was all just like local shit. Yeah. So he got national exposure. And he uh, he was in Las Vegas to, to watch a, uh, a boxing event. And he saw the fountains in front of Caesar Palace. And he thought, fuck it, I'm going to... I'm going to jump those. I'm going to jump those and decided to jump them. Yeah, so he, he decided to jump them. And then uh, he started, he basically bullshit his way into it. He created a, a corporation called Evil Knievel Enterprises. And then he created three fictitious lawyers <laughs> and called the CEO of the uh, Caesar's Palace casino as one of these lawyers and he said he was from abc and, and then he called and said he was from sports illustrated and it was asking about the possibility of this jump happening so finally the guy was like there's a lot of interest in this it was just him yeah but he's like there's a lot of interest in this so he arranged for a meeting and then december 31st of 1967 he got a deal to jump the fountains and they're going to air it on Worldwide of Sports. Wild, 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 wide, wide world, world of sports. Wide world of sports. Uh, however, ABC said that they did not want to film that. So they said if he filmed it, and it was as spectacular as he said it would be, that they would use it later. He was 29 years old, used his own money to produce a film of this jump. So... They uh, they did it on a shoestring budget, and he, before he uh, jumped, he bet a hundred bucks on the blackjack table and lost. <laughs> so he walked by the bar, had a shot of wild turkey, and then went outside to do this this warm up for his jump. And he hit the uh, he hit the takeoff ramp, and he said his motorcycle decelerated lost power and he came up short to land on his safety ramp the handlebars of his motorcycle ripped out of his hands and he skidded across into the dunes parking lot oh fuck he crushed his pelvis and his femur fractured his hip and wrist and both ankles and had a concussion so he says that he was in a coma for 28 days but other people said that he was not <laughs> I, uh, that was the longest attempt he ever had jumping after he recovered. He was more famous than he had ever been. And ABC bought the, the rights of that film and they paid more for it than they would have had the jump been successful. Oh, no kidding. I, uh, Lloyd's of London refused to insure him after that. He could not get life insurance, accident insurance, hospitalization insurance, could not get insurance for his automobiles. <laughs> um, yeah, they he he was rejected thirty-seven times he, for yeah for for insurance by Lloyd's of London. Uh, yeah, it, all he could get was liability insurance. Could should have called Jake from State Farm. <laughs> Ask him what he was wearing. Yeah, <laughs> khakis. So after that, he decided he wanted to try to jump the Grand Canyon. I think he made that one. They, he was never allowed to do it. Oh. Uh, Homer Simpson did it. Yeah. He uh, crashed while he was trying to jump 
15 Ford Mustangs and broke his right leg. He came back months later to try to jump some more. Jumped 14 buses. He did. Uh, one it, million dollar liability insurance for one day. Yep. To the amusement park. He. Oh, he was at Kings Island. By by seventy one. So he had he had fucked himself up a few other times. Uh, broke his hip again. Um, in nineteen seventy one, he realized that the government would not allow him to jump the Grand Canyon. So he did other stunts. He jumped the uh, Mississippi River. He jumped from one skyscraper to another. Jumped over 13 cars inside the Houston Astrodome. And uh, as he was flying back to Montana, he looked out the window of his airplane. He saw the Snake River Canyon. And he thought, that's the place. So, he sold 100,000 tickets on back-to-back performances in the Astrodome. Setting world record by jumping 19 cars. Uh, And then he decided he's going to try to jump the Snake River Canyon. He did other little jumps. He tried to jump 13 Pepsi delivery trucks. Uh, he had to start on pavement, cut across grass, and return to pavement. That caused his motorcycle to slow down. And he hit the base of the ramp, was thrown off and skidded for 50 feet. Jesus. And then he broke his collarbone and suffered a compound fracture of his right arm and broke both of his legs. God damn, dude. <laughs> he made a successful jump, but he had to come to a, a quick stop because his landing area wasn't long enough. And he was thrown from his motorcycle, reportedly suffered a broken back and a concussion. Uh, he jumped over 50 stacked cars at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. And... Uh, that was the, the world record for the most stacked cars ever jumped with a Harley. Stood for 35 years. Jesus Christ. So he was known to have over 433 bone fractures, which earned him a Guinness world record for most bones broken in a lifetime. They do believe that uh, that number was exaggerated, but he did actually break 40 to 50 bones. Um... Evil Knievel says that he broke 35 bones. But he never got to jump the Grand Canyon. When he tried to jump the Snake River Canyon, they had so many people that were interested in investing in this, uh, including Vince McMahon from the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, wow. Uh, He uh, built a rocket cycle. And I've seen this thing. There's a picture over here. Yeah, I've actually seen it. It's in the Evil Knievel Museum. Oh, sorry, you've been there. I've been there. It's in Iowa, isn't it? No, it's or in no. Uh, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's in uh, Wichita, I believe. It's at a Harley dealership, and they like half of the building is a museum, a museum and it's awesome. Uh, his uh, his semi-truck is there as well. Oh, nice. As well as the original ramps that he used. But he, yeah, so he built this this Sky Cycle, and it's, it's a motorcycle, but it's built like a rocket. And... So he, uh, in, in 1974, he decided he's going to jump the Snake River Canyon. And the parachute prematurely deployed. Oh, and fuck. it made the, uh, the cycle drag. So it made it all the way across the canyon. But then the wind pushed it back into the canyon. And he fell. 
into the canyon. He landed a few feet from the water, and he landed on the side of the canyon that he jumped from. Oh, shit. So it blew him. He jumped the canyon, made it, and then it blew him back across the canyon, and he landed. He would have drowned had he fallen the other way, but he fell onto the ground instead of into the water. And the the uh, safety harness malfunctioned, so he was strapped into that vehicle. He couldn't escape. So it was a lucky if you, thing. If you ever, if anybody ever believed in gremlins during World War II, they plagued this man. This. <laughs> they had to have. Uh, he was surrounded by gremlins. He was. He uh, continued jumping. He jumped... Uh, at Wembley Stadium, he jumped um, a bunch of buses, and uh, the double decker buses. He broke he broke his pelvis there, and this is where, after he he crashed and broke his pelvis, he walked to the top of the ramp, and he said, "Ladies and gentlemen of this wonderful country, I've got to tell you that you are the last people in the world who will ever see me jump, because I'm never ever." Going to jump again. I'm through. And then he refused to get on a stretcher. And he said, I came in walking and I'm going out walking. Nice. But a few months later, he recovered. And he decided to jump some Greyhound buses in Cincinnati. And he landed on one of the buses. He more world records. I mean, the dude just, he like you said, he was more known for his crashes. Yeah. He retired so many times. But then in 77, he decided he was going to jump over some sharks. I don't know who the hell Bubba Blackwell is, but he broke his record. Yeah, Bubba Blackwell in, uh, in, in 99 broke that record. But he decided that um, he was, inspired by Jaws, he was going to jump a tank full of live sharks. And during the rehearsal of that, Evil Knievel lost control of his motorcycle and crashed into a cameraman. Oh, fuck, dude. He broke his arms, but he was more distraught because he gave the cameraman a permanent eye injury. And it turned out that it wasn't a permanent eye injury, but Evil Knievel said it was. So he never, he didn't show the clip for 19 years. Oh, wow. Um, that inspired Fonzie to jump over a shark tank on water skis. I remember On that. Happy Days. Uh, after that, and, and in a leather jacket and shorts. Yes. After that, he uh, he really scaled back his performances, but he launched his son Robbie Knievel's career. So Robbie Knievel took up the uh, the mantle, the mantle, and kind of uh, you know stepped in where his uh, where his dad left off. Now Robbie, I, I you don't I remember seeing Robbie's television specials as well, but he never really did anything as grandiose as his dad no um he still crashed quite a bit but he never really you know did that um evil knievel also went on did several campaigns he did a, a an anti-drug campaign because that was one of his core values he would preach anti-drugs to children and adults before his stunts um he uh he got in trouble with various groups that you know we won't mention, but there were several groups that kind of took his use of the motorcycle and Harley Davidsons yeah. and his messages. Uh, they they didn't agree with him, so they threatened 
violence and rioted at his events. Um, he would preach motorcycle helmet safety, which he said that that would save his life many times. Although he had several concussions. He didn't die. He never died. So, um, and then he, he had a huge marketing campaign. I'm sure a lot of people have played with the Ideal Toys uh, Evil Knievel stunt cycle. Oh, yeah. And that thing was badass. Yeah, who's got heel? Who always has those? Who? Flint. Always has a stunt cycle? All the time. Well, he, he, gets, he gets Evil Knievel stuff a, a lot. I can remember as as a kid in the 80s, you Evil Knievel t-shirts were always, you know, there were always kids at school yeah. at them. Uh, we had Evil Knievel puzzles and posters and... Even though he did the bulk of his stuff in the 60s and 70s, his legacy endured strongly into the 80s. Oh, yeah. And I swear they replayed his stuff in the 80s because I just I remember seeing it. Um, so <laughs> he, uh, he got in a little trouble because this uh, he was healing from some injuries that he sustained. And uh, a fella... Decided that he wanted to say that uh, Evil Knievel abused his wife and his children and used drugs. So Evil Knievel, with both of his arms still in casts, jumped on a plane, flew to California to confront this this guy, who was a VP at 20th Century Fox. Oh. And found him outside the uh, commissary. And one of Knievel's friends grabbed this guy and held him while Evil Knievel beat the piss out of him with a baseball bat. Holy shit. Uh, hit him in the head, hit him in the arms, uh, shattered his arms and his wrist in several places. And he's still got two broken arms. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's in casts. Um, they had to give this guy numerous surgeries and metal plates in his arms so he could actually use it again. Holy shit. Uh, then he threatened, then after that, Evil Knievel just threatened to sue the guy because he wrote this book. Yeah. And the book got recalled. Uh, so they, uh, th- there's a lot of allegations here. Um, Evil Knievel actually did six months in jail and had to serve three years probation for that because he pled guilty to battery. Lost his endorsements, his toy deals. And- yep. Yep. He, he lost Harley Davidson endorsement. He lost Ideal Toys. Uh, he declared bankruptcy. And he had to pay $13 million to this guy. But the guy never received any money from evil or the estate. Uh, he, uh, after that, just kind of drove around in an RV selling art <clears throat> that he painted. Nice. And uh, he came back in the 90s. He represented... Um, Maxim Casino, Little Caesars, and Harley Davidson. And then, uh, you know, kind of got out the uh, uh, stuff of the Snake River Canyon on the 25th anniversary. Got inducted in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame in 99. And uh, then they established in Topeka, Kansas, the uh, Evil Knievel Museum. That was, uh, I believe, after his death. His last public motorcycle ride was at the Milwaukee Harley-Davidson dealership to benefit the victims of Hurricane Katrina. He was scheduled to lead a benefit ride through Milwaukee. He never actually rode a motorcycle. 
because he'd had a stroke before the appearance. Oh, man. And so he just signed autographs. So there was uh, some rights that were given out to, you know, certain things. They had Evil Knievel, the rock opera. Yep. The Evil Knievel roller coaster at Six Flags, which... Knowing his history of injuries, I would I wouldn't ride a roller coaster anyways. I damn sure wouldn't ride his roller coaster. Fuck no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, he ended up uh, he passed away in uh, in two thousand seven, and uh, they gave him an evil can evil day, and they filmed a documentary about him. So he died in Central or in Clearwater, Florida, in November thirtieth, two thousand seven, at age sixty nine. And he had been suffering from diabetes and pulmonary fibrosis, and he just was having trouble breathing, and he died on the way to the hospital. So that's what happened. But evil can evil, the dude was. I mean, he's still. You say the name, people know who it was. Yeah. Johnny Knoxville actually produced a great documentary called um, Being Evil. And that thing is worth a watch. It was on Netflix for quite a while. I'm going to have to check that out. I've seen it. I haven't yeah. watched it. Yeah, it was it was really, really good. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Evil Knievel? Fuck, dude. This, this guy was, he was crazy. Very brave. Yeah. And he had a great idea and ran with it. He did. Sometimes he didn't land that idea, but... <laughs> but he sure as hell ran with he it. He ran with it. Now, when you look at his... I mean, if it wasn't for guys like like Evil Knievel, there wouldn't be guys like Johnny Knoxville. No, Johnny Knoxville was influenced very heavily by Evil Knievel. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there would be no jackass. There would be, uh, like, Spanky Spangler, who... Uh, he ended up uh, dying in a stunt. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he... he he did an airborne car crash, I believe, and, and it killed him. Oh, wow. Um, the stunt performers that you see, none of them would be around if not for Evil Knievel. No. Uh, but Especially nowadays. You remember watching some of this stuff on TV. Yeah. And like I said, it had to have been replays, but it was always an event. It was always just a huge deal. And if you actually look, there, there is a huge, huge display at the museum. That lists every one of his jumps. We'll have to go down there because Topeka is only two hours away. Yeah, it's not a bad drive. It's boring. But you, it lists every one of his jumps. He he only crashed like 30% of the time. Yeah. But that's what he's known for. They never talk about the successful ones. They talk about the ones the that ones he did horribly. Yeah. But yeah, Evil Knievel. I remember, I remember when we were kids riding bikes, we'd try to jump over stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's probably, and I guarantee that's where we got it. I, I had a buddy that, uh, he used to like to try to jump over me. He'd put me at the end of the ramp and jump, and I think the asshole did it on purpose. He land on you every time? He, a lot of times. He would, he would just, just catch me with the back wheel. I had an evil Knievel moment when I was a kid. I did as well. Let's talk about this. I was, we had this big, giant mound of dirt. It was, I don't remember, it wasn't for anything. It was just like when they were putting in like the old trailers, they just put the dirt over here. Yeah. So we'd launch up this ramp or this dirt hill and stop at the top. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side was just rocks and gravel. Oh, shit. So I'm going full bore like we all did. 
got up the bike, got up the ramp, my chain came off. Ah, so you had no brakes. I had no brakes, and then so I had to go over. I remember I landed on my face. Oh, man. Busted the inside of my lip open, busted my lips open. Um, I had blood just coming off the left side of my face, dude. I looked like Two-Face. <laughs> and I ran to a house, a house that... I thought one of my friends still lived at, and the guy answers the door, and he's just freaking out. He's like, dude, I don't know. I don't know that kid. He's like, you need to go home, man. <laughs> hey, bloody kid, go home. Yeah, so my, mom's, my mom was at work at the time, so I had to call my grandfather, and he lived across town. And he came over, and my brother, I think my brother was out doing something. It was just, my sister was probably in the house somewhere, and he's like, what happened? And I think we ended up going to the hospital. Oh, shit. Oh, it was a f- fucking bad day. <laughs> Well, I, I was considerably younger when I did this. I think I was in second grade. Oh, yeah, I was much younger. Um, and I'm sure I was inspired by Evil Knievel. I, uh, you remember like a big, the big wheels? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, I've got a story about that, too. So I took my big wheel, and I said I was going to do a, a great jump. But instead of trying to jump over the Grand Canyon and everything, I decided to jump off of the coffee table. <laughs> so I picked up my big wheel and put it on the coffee table. I think you've told me this before. I crawled up on there. And I pedaled as fast as my fat little legs could go. And I didn't garner enough speed, and I had no ramp to speak of. Just a coffee table. Yeah. So when I got to the end, my big wheel fell down. I was propelled forward. And at the end of the coffee table, there was like a 40-gallon fish tank (laughs) that my dad kept these giant goldfish in. Oh, God. And so... Which is why they're outside now. Yeah. <laughs> so the big wheel goes to the floor. I go headfirst into the fish tank, broke the fish tank, and landed. And my mom hears this. She was in the other room. She hears this crash. She runs in and she says, I'm sitting there, just sitting on my butt, water running, just cascading down over my head, and these giant goldfish flopping around on the floor beside me. Oh, God. Every time after that, that it, it rained, our trailer house would smell like goldfish and fish water. So I wasn't allowed to uh, to do any stunts after yeah. that. But my, my buddy that would jump and land on me, he got me to do a few jumps on you know on the ramp that we had built. And I could I could do them for the most part. But being from a small town, you know, hundred people, yeah. all gravel roads in town. Mm-hmm. So we're we're doing this on gravel. And there was like three of us. Three boys, we'd all get our bikes out, we'd screw around. Well, the neighbor that lived, like, I, I, I lived where where I live now. Mm-hmm. Um, my buddy lived kind of in town, so it was about a block away, but you could still see his house from my house. But there were a couple houses in between, and the neighbor had this this girl that showed up. I don't know who, I don't know if it was like a grandchild or something, yeah. a granddaughter. Um, but really, really cute girl with red hair. And she showed up, and they would like. What are you, Charlie Brown? Yeah, I am. <laughs> they, uh, they like would put a tent up in the backyard, and she, her, and her friend, or whomever she was. I don't know. There was a couple of girls there. They would stay in the tent. They would be laying out in the front yard in, in you know lawn chairs, sunbathing and yeah. whatnot. And you know we're probably like like twelve, thirteen years old, and we notice this. We're like, oh, there's girls over there. Let's go get our bikes and show off. Oh God. So, we go get our bikes, we ride around the block to ride, and we just would ride around the block, and we're like, we'd ride in front of the house and pop a wheelie. We'd ride around the house. I could know, never do that. And like, you know, do a, he would do like a bunny hop or something. And I was never that good at 
you know, these bike stunts. So we were riding around. He goes, pop a wheelie or something. So we go by and we're going to ride by popping wheelies. There's three of us. So the first one goes and he's riding a wheelie all the way down the street. Next one, he's riding a wheelie all the way down the street. I pop a wheelie and I got my speed up. And just as I got like within these girls view, mm-hmm. I crashed and I landed on my forearm and I go skidding by where these other two boys had ridden their wheel. I go skidding by on my forearm, <laughs> screaming with my bike tumbling behind me. Hey, ladies. Yeah. And I'm like, ah! And so we go back. We, we, you know, we didn't tell our parents or anything. We just went back. We picked all the gravel out of my arm. I'm bleeding everywhere. Put uh, uh, rubbing alcohol on it because I remember it hurt. And bandaged me up with like paper towels and tape. Yeah. And then we went back to do it again. Well, this time we're riding and they're doing all kinds of stuff. I come flying by and somehow had lost control of my bike. <laughs> she crashed again. And I hit <laughs> where where there was like a little ditch and then their, their driveway. Oh, fuck. And there was a drainage ditch in between. Yeah. So the driveway was raised a little bit. I hit that lip where the driveway was raised and I hit that and went flying again face planting and skidding got road rash all over my chest and i'm like okay guys i'm done i'm not gonna be a bicycle stunt rider for these girls anymore i'm getting fucked up (laughs) and it's embarrassing you know you guys are doing it's embarrassing so after that i think i became like the guy that was laying on the ground that they were jumping over yeah and they would put like two trash cans and me Instead of me and then two trash cans, I'd be the last one. Oh, God. Yeah, that's stupid. And I, yeah, I got landed on quite a bit. And, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't break anything. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, big wheels. We had this big, giant concrete hill. One, one, one side was steps, one side was a drain. Oh, shit. Okay? Well, I had just watched my brother ride his bike down the steps. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's like, I can do, I like, I can do that. Well, my brother wanted me to go down the drain side. I went down the step side. On a big wheel. On a big wheel. <laughs> I made it like three steps before it started tumbling over. There you go, ass over tea kettle. Oh, God, dude. Another where I scratched the fuck out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you would think I'd be a, a lot less good looking with how many times I've landed on my face. You would think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to look like this, you, okay? You ravishing motherfucker, you. <laughs> That's why we do radio. That's right. Oh. <laughs> That's why you can only hear us and not see us. Yes. So I did that. And then I think it might have been within the same week, <laughs> my brother was riding his bike, took a rope and tied it to my big wheel <laughs> and to the back of his bike so we could get home faster. <laughs> so I'm on the big wheel and they're speeding off and we come up to a curve. Well... I didn't turn like they did. Oh, shit. So, tumbled my big wheel. Landed on my face again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Evil Evil. Yes. Because I, th- this was all inspired by that. It was, I guarantee it. Yeah. It, it was a fun way to grow up. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. you can't go outside and... Yeah, you can't. I mean, kids don't, they don't play outside for one thing, but you don't see kids riding their bikes around like we used to. No. You don't see kids doing stupid shit like we used to. You know, now, now they stay in and fucking eat laundry detergent and yeah, I don't, I still don't that kind that. of shit. So, you know, it, my yeah, kids don't. It was dangerous to grow up like we did. But we managed. But we, yeah, we survived. Uh, 
were a little bit more bruised up and broken. But it made us tougher. It did. So, uh, anything else about these these great TV specials that we grew up with? No, I think we got some good good insight stuff on here. Yeah, I think we did. And, you know, if anybody remembers uh, any of these great things, maybe something that, that you remember watching that maybe we didn't cover, or maybe even something that, you know, we did cover that you have a different memory of, please, you know, let us know. Let us know what, what you know. I wish I still had my big wheel. I remember it, too. It was red and had black. Had, it was red handlebars. The seat was red and the rest was black. Nice. Nice. So if you guys want to tell us anything about growing up watching these TV specials or... Any made, stupid stunts you Stupid stunts you did, yeah. Anything Evil Knievel inspired. I know our friends have got some stories. You can uh, leave us a voice, voice message on the Anchor app. You can... I know Mike has wrecked a bike or two. Oh, I'm sure he has. You can email us at retropowerhour at gmail.com, or you can give us a call on the uh, Power Hour hotline, and that is 669-237-3876. That is 669-B-RETRO, B-E-R-E-T-R-O. And make sure that you go check out electronicmediacollective.com for all the great shows that are there, including our Brothers in Pod, The Russian Leg Sweep, uh, other great shows you know, that, that are there, you know, the, the, uh, the Sid, Sid's, uh, podcast, um, for Psycho Sid, uh, there's, uh, Grolix, there's movie podcasts, comic podcasts, uh, a couple pro wrestling podcasts, lots of pop culture, lots of just anything that you maybe are entertained by. They probably have a podcast that concerns it. So check them out. Uh, great shows there. And, and we're just happy to be a part of it. And don't forget if you are in the area of Grand Island, Nebraska, the 25th through the 27th of March. We will be there at Grand Comic Fest 4, and uh, really looking forward to that. That's going to be fun, dude. So, uh, anything else you want to? Uh-oh. Okay. Well, for the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour, I am Mikey. I'm Corey. And we will see you next time. Say goodbye, Corey. Goodbye, Corey. You lonesome polecat. <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead.